ever present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later. The Home Star Army proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Trek West 5 is brought to you in part by RocketWebDesign.com, custom web design at template website prices. Designs by Dee.blogspot.com, your online home for all your digital scrapbooking needs. Need a home along the Wasatch Front? Contact Lisa DeBagere with Kirkham and Friends Real Estate. No one will work harder for your home. And thehomestarmy.com, blogging to the world since 2004. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Podcast 135. I'm Peter. And I'm Joey. And uh, it's my friend John Matson. <laughs> we could we could add Thank in you. like an applause I'm track. Sure, I'm sure we can find uh, like a crowd cheering somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean that instead of having you bring your own crowd of real people that were making that noise from a very far off location. <laughs> I'm sure what's going to happen is the literal applause that we actually heard from within this very room will be edited out by the time this airs. <laughs> good one. Good one. Uh, welcome to the podcast, everyone. How are their weeks? Uh, everybody doing okay? Yeah, doing all right. Okay. John, you? Yeah. Pretty... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to do my level best to make this the most sober of podcasts that we have ever done. <laughs> Because uh, challenge I, accepted. <laughs> I uh, I broke a rib, cracked a rib. I don't know what the term is. Uh, I, I I cracked a rib this week uh, playing indoor soccer, and uh, laughing uh, is very difficult. Folks, you haven't seen humor until you've watched Pete <laughs> try not to laugh. <laughs> Let me just say uh, the novelty of having a, a broken rib has worn off. Long ago. Like, at a certain point, you kind of feel like a tough guy. Like, oh, yeah, I've got a broken rib. Yeah. No, no. That that wore off long ago. <laughs> I just want this stupid thing to go away now. Because, uh, let me tell you, sneezing, coughing, hiccuping? Yeah, I never had to hiccup while I had one. Uh, they are exercises in... Um, Vulgar language control. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it, it hurts, but uh, hopefully there won't be anything funny on this podcast whatsoever. That's a good thing we have no funny episodes this week. Exactly. That Reaver one was hilarious. What are you talking about? Okay. Uh, this is going to hurt. Literally, this is going to hurt. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's maybe jump into Facebook Find of the Week. Okay. I, I'm giving it to the celebrity voiceover reading of Star Wars from Listener Fishhead. All right. I, you know, I, I just think it's... You, you said it best, Pete, that they missed some good opportunities in there. For example, they they grossly underused the Batman character. Yeah, the wh- Batman which, story. by the way, John, have you been to the Facebook group today? Not today, no. 
you, I think, are going to love yeah. what what was put up by uh, Fishhead. Okay, yeah, I'll check it out. It's It was basically a bunch of voice actors who got up and they read various scenes from Star Wars. Apparently it's supposed to be the radio play version of Star Wars. Uh, I don't know about it being a radio play version. It's just a bunch of guys sitting around. Um, it, it was... It was fun. There were a few things that I felt went flat. Yeah. But for the most part, to go on for almost an hour and a half of doing all of these different <laughs> voices, it was a lot of fun. And they had the guys from Futurama there. Hmm. So Bender the guy who does Bender and Fry and the Dr. Professor Zoidberg, um, plus the uh, Yakko uh, guys Pinky. and Pinky yeah. from uh, Animaniacs. Really fun. There were a few things I just didn't love. I didn't go over the moon about. I, I think I think well, what they did is in each scene, the, uh, the moderator of the panel would select different voices that they you know. He's like, okay, you're going to do the character, the lines for the character of Luke, in the voice of Ren and Stimp, uh, Stimpy from Ren and Stimpy or Ren. I can't remember which one. Hmm. Um, the one I loved the best was when he had the the girl. Doing bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls as Darth Vader, and Pinky, Pinky's voice as a stormtrooper. I thought that was hilarious. I could have listened to that for another ten minutes. <laughs> it, it was funny. I was disappointed with her because they, they just seemed to give her like, well, what I assumed were just My Little Pony voices. Bubbles from power. I I can visualize this and it's brilliant. I can tell. <laughs> I, Bubbles I, was my very favorite. Yeah, I would have liked them to have given her a little bit more different stuff. Sure. Uh, she but, only, I think she only did the. Well, at least I, I only saw like. I, I don't know. I don't know it. enough about it. She just she was, only did, she did high pitched girl sounding voices, which I assume was all purely my little, my little pony. pony. <laughs> no, there is definitely a Powerpuff Girls in there. Okay. Uh, my, I think my personal favorite was the, the guy who did the, um, the bender and he also did, um, Paul Lind. Okay. From the, uh, the Hollywood Squares. Hilarious. Really uh, good. Really good. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Walken take on R2-D2 was pretty funny. <laughs> guy needs a haircut whoever that guy was he did the voice of of wacko warner and i was like he just looks the part that's that's what i imagine that guy to look like all right so congratulations to listener fishhead you still will not be receiving an award that's right Uh, though check in i think we have a total of five or six awards so if you haven't received up to that number let us know and we'll send them out to you did anybody uh ever watch the star wars recut um where there were the 15 seconds increments. Yeah. Did anybody watch the whole thing? I didn't watch the entire thing. I, I've i been meaning to do it for I watched 10 minutes. I'm like, I will definitely do this later. But I did not. It looked fun. It, it was fun. And I, I'm curious to see, because my idea... Oh, I think I posted this on Facebook. My idea to for my 15 seconds was just to be play the scene straight, except everyone is in Star Trek uniforms. <laughs> It would just be in the middle of Star Wars. I just think that'd be just hilarious to see. But oh well, whatever. I feel like I remember seeing some people in Star, Star Trek. Wars, uh, Star Trek uniforms. Yeah. Okay, they took my idea. Yeah, 
Maybe not completely. I think he would have still done a good job. Yeah. Which we should probably announce. John, You, I feel like this is a good time for you to announce what you're planning to do in June. Because oh, sure. uh, I, I would like to try and help you if I can. It's, it's tough because we have um, podcast on Friday... We, I have soccer on Saturday, and then there's mm. church on Sunday. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm part of the 48 hour film project. Um, it's which is a contest where it's like at the beginning of the 48 hours, they give you the genre you're going to be working with. They give you a line that has to be said in the movie, and uh, they give you a prop that has to be used, and uh, a character with a name and a profession. And all those elements have to be worked in. So. You know, to make sure that you don't make a movie in advance right. of, of the thing. Um, so how specific are the genres? Have you done this before? I've done it before. Last time we did it, we, we pulled noir. Um, and uh, the other people in my group disagreed with me in that we should have lots of dialogue in our noir. Uh, I lost out on that. I think that was the a bad decision on our team's part. But that's just me. Anyway, um, and uh, our, our uh, it was noir, and it was the prop was an egg, and uh, the line was uh, uh, was it I saw that coming, or maybe that was the previous years or something like that. Um, but yeah, it's just um, just just little things like that. So this year it could be a comedy, it could be a musical. So it's a pretty broad genre though that they give you. It's not like yeah, they're not all like crime movies, you know. Some of them are serious, some of them are, are gotcha. really funny. Um, you know, some of them uh, like you could draw a musical, which would suck because in forty-eight hours you'd have to write a bunch of songs and record <laughs> them and then like make a movie about it. Uh, so sorry, the, Mark Mockumentary is another one, which is actually kind of easy because you could pretty much just do anything. You yeah. could do anything, yeah, and just like and interview people and cut it. it you know that's that's a lot easier to do i think but um how, how long does a movie need to be it's seven minutes i believe okay so yeah so so you you have to write the script from as soon mm -hmm. as you get that uh -huh. as soon as you are given the stuff that's when you go right 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 okay. so it's like right when they tell you what it is then you just run and go do it and it's uh and it's really stressful and it kind of sucks but uh it's a really good time though um, I'm trying to get people to help. Interestingly, if you're listening right now, um, if you want to help with this, if you contribute five bucks to the Kickstarter campaign, then your name is in the credits as producer for the film. So, uh, but what if I just give you five bucks? You can do that. Will that work too? So I don't have to go to Kickstarter to do it? No, 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 no. Uh, well, I prefer if you did go to Kickstarter because if You're you know not how. Hit your goal. Yeah, <laughs> I set a really low goal that I honestly I don't think we're gonna make because I don't know. What's your goal? Two hundred bucks. Two hundred bucks. Um, we have two weeks to raise two hundred bucks, um, and and so if the goal isn't met, then we don't get any money. So, so what are you gonna use the two hundred dollars for? That's the thing. The reason I wanted to do it, <laughs> candy is yeah, bubble gum, <laughs> soda pop, we're, 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 it's, and it's, grass clippings. It's, it's just craft services. Is where the yeah, we're gonna eat like kings and then not do a movie. <laughs> but um, yeah, because because I mean the thing is like if we know, let's say we're doing like a cop movie, um, and we know in advance, then we can. We can like ask people if they have cop uniforms or if they have access to a car 
or if they, uh, you know, if there's a building that kind of looks like a police station kind of thing. But it, if, if it's spur of the moment, some of these things, they might get really, really pricey to just suddenly improvise. Okay. And so that was kind of the theory behind the Kickstarter. So mostly props and or costumes is what you're thinking. Um, yeah, probably. Probably. If someone has, like, a specific building that we have to rent, I don't even know how much that would be. Or, like, access to go somewhere. Or equipment. But probably, I'm thinking most likely costumes. Okay. Uh, right... I have this premonition that we're going to need lab coats. If someone wants to mail me a lab coat or two right now, that would be great. When, when is the project? It's between the 8th and the 10th. In Salt Lake, it is. Anyway. If you will help me remember, email me next Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, I have two or three lab coats. Oh, cool. Bring, bring, bring them up. Yeah. That would be awesome. Oh, okay. Why great. in the world haven't we been recording this podcast in lab, lab coats? <laughs> Where have your priorities been? <laughs> you know I love lab coats. I used to work with you. That, that's where I, that's where I got the lab coats from. I took a couple of those lab oh, coats with me when man, I Man, that would have been so awesome. Those, I feel like those should have been part of the Facebook Find of the Week awards. We might have some new, fresh ideas for Facebook Find of the Week because of this. Okay, now. Right. you guys worked in lab coats at your internet company? <laughs> yes. yes, we did. Yes. <laughs> Huh. It, it, it baffles me to this day how that company fell apart, really, now that I look back <laughs> on it. I, I just don't see how it didn't work. We were wearing lab coats. <laughs> what more can you ask? Uh, you're like, were you combining like dangerous elements of the internet? Kinda? Like well, there's might... carpal tunnel syndrome, you know, that that's, that's pretty hmm. dangerous. Yeah, yeah. As you well know. So yes. have, you, have you gotten contributions on your Kickstarter so far? I haven't checked today, but I, as of last night, we didn't. I, I put it up two nights ago. And I've sort of told people. I just mentioned on Facebook. I haven't mentioned it on Twitter yet. I meant to do that today, but so I did see one post from you on Facebook that mentioned you had a Kickstarter, but it didn't have a link in it. Um, really? Yeah. So just every time There's... you mention it, make sure you put the link in there I, every I, time. I tested it out. I think you missed the link. To be fair, I think you probably did it wrong, Joey. Okay. Did you at uh, least watch the video? There's a little video there. No. So I just saw uh, you in a conversation with someone else. Oh, yeah. The we okay. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. And you said, yeah, go, go And you said, go, go donate to the Kickstarter if you can't. Somebody saying they weren't going to be able to help you. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you said then no, go right. donate to the Kickstarter, and I was like, well, where's the link? I don't see a link in there. Yeah, that may have been right before I put the Kickstarter link okay. up, so yeah. Okay, you're right. Good call. I, I'm, I I'm just not religious about following Facebook, and so I was in there, and I happened to see that one comment. I thought, boy, if that link were in there, I'd click it right now, but I'm not going to go hunt for it. <laughs> I am sending you this link so many times now. <laughs> I'm going to spam you the link. <laughs> you know, uh, kick Kickstarter is kind of interesting. Um they they've had some some fallout now from from the popularity of Kickstarter. Uh, there's been at least one one group that started a fake Kickstarter campaign, where they actually they they said they were going to make a video game and they took screenshots from a bunch of existing video games and stitched them together into a video. Uh. And then their like their whole pitch text was copied and pasted from another Kickstarter campaign uh. that had been incredibly successful. It got ten times what they uh, what they had asked for. Hmm. Um, and of course Kick Kickstarter found out about this and shut it down and there's been at least one other one that I know that got shut down and it was a uh, they were making a they wanted to make a board game <laughs> I just realized I don't know we may have to cut this 
they, they're making a board game where you play uh, a tentacle alien. No, a... no, let's just stop right, <laughs> right. there. Are you just going to say hentai? Yes, it's it's okay. it's a hentai board game. Well, <laughs> okay, so as soon as you said tentacle, will... I knew we can't air this. <laughs> well, well, he goes, like, right, there's, there's nothing actually in in the board game itself that's inappropriate, but it's referencing like just you know gobs and gobs of inappropriate material. Um, okay, but uh, there's but they, no nudity or anything. But they, in the board were game. they really making the board game though? Yeah. Oh yeah. Then that's fine. Let them make K- their board. Kickstarter game. canceled it, and so they they put up a thing on their Kickstarter page that says, "Yes, we know Kickstarter canceled our campaign. Come to our own website and donate with PayPal because they'd already hit their goal. Hmm. They'd hit their goal before Kickstarter canceled them. <laughs> wow! So they they were kind of already paid out. Yeah. Hmm. Well, but at least they didn't lie like those other people. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's just been interesting as as Kickstarter has really blown up in the past six months or so. Yeah. That they're saying, oh, you know what, you got to be careful what you're donating to because some of these people may just be here to get your money and you'll never see anything from it. Which yeah. is why I asked you what, you're, what, what the money's going to go to. If I'm going to donate to your Kickstarter, I want to know what I'm getting out of it. I'll have to let you know after the whole thing. <laughs> but, but, I mean, if you give five bucks, if you give five bucks, you'll, your name will be in a 48-hour movie. So what's, what's the $200 award? I only put two rewards because oh. I just... <laughs> I, yeah, I should have done a all or nothing. I could still do that. We can think of one right now. But um, five dollars is your name in the credits. Twenty five dollars is a DVD of it. Oh, okay. Um, Two hundred dollars. Oh boy, I don't know. Um, I, I I can't. I can't you make think. this pretty sweet. I may just bankroll your movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Two hundred, because because I think because the reward has to do have something to do with the movie itself. So, you say, so. You, maybe you say uh, two hundred dollars. You help you help get to pick the cast. Yeah, I, I could. I don't want to do that. I don't know. <laughs> it's so hard to get these people together, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I well, I could or you help that. pick what you know what what roles the cast plays or something like that. Um, would that yeah. be Would that be feasible? Because I mean, you literally have. Only the span of forty-eight hours to do all of this—to write it, film it, edit it. Yeah, because right? well, the person who contributes two hundred dollars would have to be with us for the grueling. Oh, and, so they would essentially become the executive producer. Yeah, and say no, no, <laughs> that person over there. Yes, the one holding the light. Yes, I know that person doesn't speak English. <laughs> On camera now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually know of at least one movie project that. If you donated, so, like they were trying to raise a lot more money. It was, a, I mean, it was a mm-hmm. an animated movie in there, and it's actually it got funded and it went to Cannes. Am I saying that right? Is it yeah, Cannes? yeah, just going on right now. Well, is it? it maybe it just ended, but yeah. And so I think they tried to raise. I think they raised like five hundred thousand dollars. I think was their goal. Mm. And they said if you donated at least ten ten thousand dollars, then you could actually you be they like they'd involve you in the writing process. Like you can, mm-hmm. you know, you get you get to have input on the on the script itself of what we're filming. Yeah, I that would be. I would love to do that. I would love ten thousand dollars. That is a lot, though. I think they do that with the comic books a lot too. Um, like if I was a struggling comic book artist, I'd be like, you would be in the comic book, you yeah. know, as a as a character or whatever. Yeah, there. So, uh, Giant Robot Warrior is one that mm-hmm. was a Kickstarter campaign, and for fifteen bucks. You get they they take your likeness and insert you into the comic somewhere. Oh, fifteen. That's 
that's that's a breeze. I'll do that right now. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, nice. if anybody can come up with any ideas for uh, rewards that uh, that John can do, and maybe throw them up on the Facebook page yeah. or uh, email in or something like that. Yeah, and I mean, I would say. You know, anything goes, you know, as far as I... I'm doing this with two other guys, so I'd have to conference with them. So I can't say anything, you know. Can't make any commitments. Can't make commitments, yeah. <laughs> uh, when you get when you get to doing the DVDs, mm -hmm. if you need access to it, I do have access to a bulk copier that nice. can do, like, 16 DVDs an hour. Oh, good. I used to have one of those at my old work, but... Cool. I'll let you know. Yeah. Well, good times. Uh, I'm sure we'll uh, probably hear about this more later on, but uh, it's exciting. Yes. I'm excited. So is there a web page for your project? Your project? Uh, not a page for the project. There's okay. only the Kickstarter page. Okay. So I'll let you know. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll get the link. We'll post it up on our Yeah, maybe our, Pete can look it in the blog. Mm. Uh, okay. I guess... Brainy's Look of Darkness? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Glad you're on top of this. He says, hey dudes, and hail to his grace and his droopledy throne. I assume that's referring to you. Yes, I'm uh, giving the royal gesture. Thank you, Brainy, as always. <laughs> Wise one. <laughs> this week's episodes both deal with Mal making a difficult, out-of-the-box decision that resulted in the well-being of many folk partially due to his personal sacrifice. And, by the way, the Firefly talk is super awesome so far. Almost makes me miss the Babby 5 days, though. Let's recall the Babby 5 good times. Well, if we can agree on anything, it's that the box rocks. And if the box taught us anything, it's that when faced with a decision between crappy shadows or stupid Vorlon, remember that both sides are losers, and one can stun an interstellar audience by electing not to choose a side. So, in our modern American media landscape, what better manifestations, uh, manifestation to perfectly illustrate the continuous dichotomy and utter absurdity of the shadow of Vorlons than the former CNN talk show Crossfire? Mm -hmm. Stupid bow tie wearing Tucker Car uh, Carlson and spineless Paul Begala were two of the hosts on that show, and they were both hosting on 10-15-2004 the day that Jon Stewart was slated to be the special guest. Bowtie and Spineless were supposed to represent their right and left, respectively. Every day they would babble and debate political topics. And of course, we all know that the conservative and the liberal are going to uh, say before they speak. And maybe that was the reason why the show was stupid. Because each side would automatically defend an issue by speaking for their party. I always found the predictability to be dull and lacking in substance, because you already know how each side is supposed to feel, based on the pre-established mores and predetermined poll results that compromise our country's political diversity. Seldom does, one, does anyone defy their sacred party platform, so leave it to the great Jon Stewart to be a guest on Crossfire to one-up the box in his defiance to choose left or right. I was super lucky to be watching this live as it happened. It remains as an auspicious moment of awesomeness in my life. Here is the actual dialogue from part of that show. John Stewart. 
and I made a special effort to come on the show today because I have privately, amongst my friends and also in occasional newspaper and television shows, mentioned that this show is being bad. Uh, laughter. Paul Begala. We have noticed. Stuart. And I wanted to... I felt that that wasn't fair and I should come here and tell you that I don't. It's not so much that it's bad as it's hurting America. Laughter. Tucker Carlson. But in its defense, crosstalk. Stuart, so I wanted to come here today and say, crosstalk, Stuart, here's just what I wanted to tell you guys. Carlson, yes. Stuart, stop. <laughs> Laughter. Stuart, stop, 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 stop hurting America. Nervous laughter. <laughs> Later on, Begala, you are telling me that Crossfire reduces everything, as I said in the intro, to left, right, black, white. Stuart, yes. Begala, well, it's because, see, we're a debate show. Stuart, no, 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 no. That would be great. <laughs> By the way, I saw this. I, I enjoyed it at the time. Not crosstalk, but uh, I saw when Stuart was on there. Uh, Brainy goes on. His point, of course, was that no real debating occurs on Crossfire. Just butt kissing. It was wonderfully awkward and scathingly accurate. Stuart basically said to start giving the politicians a hard time with the questions. Stop pandering to them. Stop being nice to them. Start demanding accountability and real answers. The needs of the politician, not the people, had become the reason why the show was able to book such high-ranking guests. But in real life, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. Well, maybe someday, but it starts with one man, and he got Crossfire canceled. From Spock to the box to Jon Stewart, let's stop accepting the saccharine soft serve and start punching some faces. Metaphorically. Later, dudes. Um, yeah, I, that sounds like basically the 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 premise of the opening episode of uh, Aaron Sorkin's new upcoming show. Oh, really? I don't know if you watched any of the trailers. I have not. No. It's the so it's a guy that he he's runs a nightly news program, and he gets fed up with the you know the establishment system of doing things. He says, you know what? I I'm just going to start being the wild card. I'm just going to start saying exactly what I think all the time on the air. <laughs> Looks pretty funny. Alright. Uh, by the way, uh, Mark sent in an email. It was brief. So, I don't know, Captain Brevity is uh, <laughs> strikes again. Are you thinking like maybe like uh, like Brigadier General Brevity? <laughs> like extend it out. Because the, the, I mean, I, I just figure the the joke of Captain Brevity. I think it's funny just because Captain Brevity is actually a very long nickname, much longer than Mark. So you may as well take it further. Brigadier General Brevity. Brevity. Major Captain Brigadier General Brevity. <laughs> is that even a thing? Rear Admiral. <laughs> rear, that's what I was thinking. Was Rear Admiral the dreaded Rear Admiral? <laughs> The dreaded Rear Admiral Brevity. <laughs> That's going to be a mouthful to say. Uh, he sends in and says, I don't have time to write in my thoughts on these episodes. Maybe I'll send some later. 
In the meantime, enjoy this clip of my favorite internet pastor. Um, listener M, by the way, uh, I like the allusion to the Bond films. Yeah. So, I guess... Uh, uh, I think Rear I, Admiral uh, <laughs> Dreaded Rear Admiral Brevity is the one, <laughs> <of> the <day. laughs> one. Yeah. That's the one he would hate the most. Yeah. Um, he identifies with Judy Dench, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> That's quite a dame. Yeah. Good one. Good one, everyone. Okay. Um, I'm not going to play this here. Okay. It seems a little. Risque or... Wow. I'll, I'll let you uh, okay. listen to it because it's in our account and whatnot. And you can decide if we should post it in there. But it, let's just say crazy nut job. Um, oh, a honey-crusted nut bar? Oh, a little bit. A little <laughs> bit. He is, he's a guy that I would assume could potentially have his own show on Fox. Right on. That out there, crazy. <laughs> Uh, and he's definitely right-winged. Uh, there's, there's no getting around that. Uh, anyway, I, I, I nervously laughed when I listened to it. Because it's one of the things I wasn't quite sure if I should be laughing at this. Or if this was really, really bad. Okay. Anyway, uh, let's do Culture Corner, Joey. Public libraries. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Culture Corner this week. John's got a Culture Corner. Oh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I totally forgot. Okay. Okay. If if we're still doing this, I was thinking I think today. Like I'm like I wonder if they're gonna call on me or not because I didn't really specifically prepare anything. But um, maybe I'll have Joey help me out on this because uh, I've been kind of waiting for you to do uh, on your culture corner, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Okay. Which is the first Neil Stevenson book that I've read. One of the first books I've read, honestly. Um, so. Uh, <laughs> I, I read it a few months ago. I thought it was pretty good. All right? Okay. You're completely illiterate until a few months ago. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, because I, I remember I asked you um, a while ago, because I'm, I'm in a book club where I'm supposed to read a book like every five weeks. A lot of times I don't finish. Usually I just show up and eat the food and leave. But um, uh, when it came time for me to choose... I'm like, I kind of want to do a cool science fiction book. And I've heard about this book called Snow Crash. So I asked Joey, I'm like, hey, is it a pretty good book? And you're like, yeah, it's an awesome book. Um, and I'm like, how accessible is it to, like, people who don't read that kind of things? And you were like, eh, probably, probably, I don't know. It's okay. It's not. Yeah. Um, no, well, anyway, turns out I was the only one who read the book that month. um so uh you know i don't know i guess everybody was kind of maybe it was just a bad month for people i don't know but um uh the the story is very strange uh it's uh it it delves in um like uh cryptography and it's virtual reality virtual reality it it coined the phrase the avatar i believe um or at least one of the very, very, very first books to use the term avatar to represent like a virtual reality person. That, um, and um, like the backstory, the deeper you get into it, uh, the backstory actually goes all the way back to the like tale of the Tower of Babel and languages and language development in 
um, in all society. Like one of the things that that it asks is why, as civilization and society has gone on, why is why does language splinter instead of conform together as as the world becomes more global? Um, like is there there's more of a global village? Um, and one of the explanations is that um, our the different languages we speak is actually the result of a virus that happened, you know, on Earth several thousand years ago. And in essence, we all originally spoke one language, which was pretty much the hard language that we are, our brains were wired in. Yep. And the language we speak is more like the software as a result of the virus that happened. Um, and so it's, you know, kind of, it, it harkens back to like Tower of Babel kind of thing. And then, um, but what's going on is someone has been able to crack that. And once you crack the language, you can pretty much crack commands um, to be given. Um, and so, really, really, really interesting, I think, um, kind of setting. And I kind of knew a little bit about that before I read it. The thing that threw me most is I started reading it, and the book reads kind of like the last book that I mentioned last week. It's very comedic. Strangely yes. comedic. Um, well, I mean, the, the main character, right? The main character's name is Hiro Protagonist. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, and uh, his, uh, it, it, one, of, one of his companions in the book, another sort of hero in the book, is this um, young lady by the name of, uh, of Y.T. Not Whitey. They call her Whitey all the time. But she says, yeah, Y.T. doesn't play that. She talks like that, yeah. um, like in third person. But she is the only person in the universe who's allowed to talk third person because yt stands for yours truly uh which makes sense when you when you say it that way so um but yeah it's 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 the events and the characters are just hilarious and then the backstory is fascinating i actually found myself like there are long passages where hero protagonists are just in the library learning about the languages and stuff i found that to be the most interesting Part of the book. I would agree. You yeah. know, this the story was fun and everything, but it wasn't nearly as interesting as kind of the the setting of, of everything. But anyway, Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. I'm excited to read um, Anathem one day. I'm kind of nervous too, but I'm. That's... Our buddy Curtis. Yeah. Uh, talked about that in uh, yeah. the poetry podcast that yeah. he was on. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and that's why I mentioned I'm thinking back to the conversation you guys had. It sounded fun, but I'm not reading it yet. <laughs> It's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to Snow Crash, yeah. it is, it's War and Peace. I can't remember if I've ever asked you this before, but you, I know you hate reading. Mm hmm As, almost, I think, as much as I do. Yeah. Or more so. Probably. Have you ever considered audio books? I've considered I know you it. do a ton of podcasts. See, that, and that's, uh, it's, it's funny, because um, my friend Jamie, um, I was just asking her yesterday... Um, I'm like, hey, have you read the book yet? And she's like, I haven't read it, but I'm listening to it. And that's, I guess that's what she did to the last book. So she's totally on board with the uh, audio thing, which is funny because she's an avid reader. She's always reading. Um, and I have considered it, It's, but I haven't just for that reason. Because I thought about getting like an Audible account and doing that. But there are so many podcasts that I listen to every week that it's just like anytime I'm listening to something, it's a podcast and it's not a book. So... Until you guys stop broadcasting, uh, <laughs> until everyone else I listens to stops doing it, and I, I don't really see a future in people ending it. It's just too fun. So uh, it's fun to do and fun to listen to, obviously, as we all know. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'm probably not going to get into audiobooks for a long time. It's one thing I, uh, from my youth, I my parents got me books on cassette, and I would turn them on at night when I would go to bed. So I would get like half an hour, potentially even an hour of listening to this book, and then I would drift off at some point. And so then back in the day, I would have to like fast forward on the tape for like a long period of time, like okay yeah okay i think i'm finally at the right spot you know and have to re-get everything dubbed up to the right spot and everything like that and i loved doing it to the point that i kind of do it now i don't know if you've ever walked past my bedroom well yeah I, I was gonna say it took me a couple weeks to realize you were listening to harry potter i believe yes but yeah. uh yeah i have heard weird voices coming out of your room <laughs> well that that and the devil worshiping so <laughs> Well, I knew that. Okay, okay. It was the Harry Potter stuff. It was the Harry Potter that drew you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, yeah, it would be frightening. You know, it's interesting. I, you know, I, I am an avid reader. I hated audiobooks. I like the whole principle. Just, I considered it a personal affront that audiobooks <laughs> even existed uh, until just in the past few years, where it's gotten to the point that it's too hard for me to make time to just sit down and read a book. But I have a commute every day. And I can listen to an audiobook during my, my daily commute to and from work. And it's been, it, I feel bad because I love the written word. I love mm -hmm. to, to sit down and read a book. But it's just too hard to make time anymore. And I, I've kind of gotten lazy about it because I can still get entertainment through an audiobook. And, and I've come well, around. Why, why did you hate the, the audio stuff? Is it because it wasn't your internal voice? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I can understand that. It's, it's funny because, I mean, if you ever saw that Seinfeld episode where George hates reading and he's supposed to read this textbook. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so he gets the audiobook of it and he can't, he can't listen to it because the guy that they got sounds just like him. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't, and that's why he hates reading because he hears himself reading and, and so the audiobook <laughs> book was just as bad. Good times. Uh, anyway, you'd give it a thumbs up, yes? Oh yeah, Snow Crash. It's, it was it's an awesome book. Yeah, if if anybody hasn't read it, let me know. Or, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you recommend. It. I'm sorry that other people didn't like it, but I really <laughs> liked it. Okay, Joey. So I wanted to talk about public libraries this week. Yes, you did. But it may be a while before we get into actual Firefly. If anyone wants to fast forward at this point, <laughs> they're welcome to do so. Because you you sent me that link, and I I, I think yeah. it's a worthwhile discussion. Uh, there was an article in the New York Times this this past week. We'll, we'll create a link to it. That okay. was discussing these these books that are they're currently one, two, and three on the New York Times bestseller list, and it's called Fifty Shades of Darkness. Great. Fifty Shades of Grey, Fifty Shades of Darkness, then Fifty Shades Freed, <laughs> and it's erotica. Apparently, I haven't read it myself, but the article asserts that it's erotica. And there's a whole bunch of consternation right now in the public square about, well, should we stock these books in libraries? And one of the arguments that one of the, one of the parties that was presented in the article from the New York Times was, well, as a library, we have to make the popular books available to our patrons. And therefore, we have to stock this. And so there's some libraries, I think they mentioned there's one library where there's like, 2,000 people on the hold list to get copies of these books. They can't be that expensive. 
All right, sorry, sorry. I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> it, it's the anticipation that's the, that's the fun. <laughs> uh, on, on the other get side, around, there around. are several libraries who said, no, we're not going to stock these books. They're filth. There's no reason for them to be in a public library. And so I, I have a dilemma here because, as I mentioned, I love reading. And I love the idea of public libraries because it promotes reading in, in general. And I think reading is, is very important and a very valuable skill. It is the thing that I've tried to teach both of my children. Look, no matter what else happens in life, as long as you are reading and, and learning something from your reading, you will always be getting yourself ahead in life. Um, and so I, I love the concept of libraries. And it's one of the few instances where I would say, yes, I'm happy to pay taxes for government to provide that service so that the library is out there. I will, I will pay for that. In fact, I voted for a tax increase in Salt Lake, Salt Lake County when I lived here to build the Salt Lake City Public Library. Dang, I was hoping you were going to say last year. <laughs> <laughs> you somehow found a way to vote from Orem. <laughs> vote to increase your taxes. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I love the idea of, of libraries, but I don't think that that means that everything out there uh, what so one of the problems that people were complaining about is well what where does the library get off censoring i i, I think it's the place of the library to censor okay well th this brings up i think what must be the prime argument in all of this which is the censorship yes and this book is clearly not the first one to have ever um started this argument been yeah. in this position uh, i i remember in high school one of my teachers uh, my English teachers, uh, liberal arts, uh, wearing the shirt that said, celebrate freedom, read a banned book. And then it went through and listed off several books that had at one point been on the banned list by libraries. Lady Chatterley's Lover? I don't remember if that one was on there. I remember Huck Finn okay. being on there, which is what we would consider probably one of the best Classic American novel. Most yeah. widely known classic American literature. We call it literature now, but at some point, somebody was saying, this is filth. This yeah. is inappropriate. This should not be here. Let's ban this. So, clearly, Fifty Shades of Grey and its uh, sister books probably aren't having the discussion that, you know, Mark Twain was having with his book, Huck Finn. Uh, it's... From what I am aware of the book, it is porn. Yeah, literature porn, I suppose. In, in that it's, it's erotica. It, it, yeah, it's erotica. It's it's not meant to discuss any great issues of the time. It's to titillate. entertain. Can't we use the word titillate? Titillate. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so Titillation so rarely it shall is be it appropriate to use the word titillate. <laughs> the face the like the creeped out face john is making now as you keep saying that word so please stop it um okay here that that's a rough issue because you don't want to be put in a position to start saying okay we love freedom but only appropriate things right but, but the public library is not saying let's stop this book from being published Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, saying... the definition of censorship is kind of annoying in the in in this particular case. Even though I think I kind of fall, on, I think I kind of fall on the side of yeah. I think a lot of library should have it because I think libraries should have anything. But if the library doesn't have it, that's not censorship. 
That's something completely different. It's selection, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, okay, it, good, it's good cura- point. It's curating an experience. Based off of the people who are using that uh, facility in that general area. It probably should be, you know, based off of the, the people who are going to be using it. The community standards. Yes. So, uh, one of the things that came up was, in that article, this idea of, okay, well... Should we then, I guess, create an adult section? And that was a question I wanted to ask you. I don't know much about the library, but is there an adult section? From my understanding, no. Their books are open to pretty much anybody who wants to go in there and check out a book could go in there and check out a Certainly book. Certainly, the Utah Public Library System does not have an adult section. I I, I have wrong. a very hard time believing that there aren't thousands of books available in public libraries far worse than Fifty Shades of Grey. I think there are. I, I okay. think I think that's the point of a library. That it's not like what we want or what you know, like we make certain demands. And um, I mean, this goes both ways in a lot of ways. I think the library just has stuff. If we if we want something in a certain topic, um, then that's where we go. Um, and it doesn't matter um, if it's highbrow, lowbrow. It just has stuff. It's the library. It's the internet before it was the internet. It is. It is a thing. It's not. Yeah. We're not trying to create a morality right. through it. And at the same time, um, I don't think the library is there to um, like set its demands by what like we say. I mean, there's always going to be one or two copies of everything at the library because it's it, it, it's referenced. But if like 2,000 people want to be on the waiting list, I don't think it's also the library's... Um, uh, it's not the library's duty to like. Well, there's a huge demand. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to have an entire section just of Fifty Shades of Grey. I think it's fine. One or two copies of what the library is supposed now, to have, which is article, everything. One... That was that would be awesome, by the way. Yeah. Just an entire shelf, just like the same book. Yeah, it's the same book. Three Fifty Shades of Grey, everybody. Uh, there was one library that they mentioned in the article that has 21 copies of it. Okay, I can believe that because I'm sure. What, I'm sure they would probably get popular yeah. copies of, of lots of different types of books. Um, I lost my train of thought. So do you think, Pete, that the library should be stocking Fifty Shades of Grey in its sequels? Uh, I don't think I'd ever read it. Um, I don't know that I care so much that it does. Because, number one, I'm not going to be reading it. And uh, there's no danger of my kids going in there and reading it. Okay. What with me not having any. Sure. Or at least none you're willing to admit to. Still <laughs> <laughs> <Tell> that joke. <laughs> I, I I wish it hadn't been written in the first place. Is is I guess my preference. Okay. I, I wish. But that you have it, no problem with library stocking it. I. The, the article raised what I thought was a reasonable point when talking about should there be then an adult section. So, you know, hey, you can go and get a library card, but if a 14-year-old boy wanders in there and is like, yeah, Fifty Shades of Grey, please. You know, we, we wouldn't just hand him a Playboy if he said, hey, I'd like that Playboy, please. Which, by the way, do they stock Playboy? Not in Utah. Not in Utah? John, so you were arguing that they should have Fifty Shades of Grey. Would you also argue they should have Playboy in Penthouse? Yeah, sure, why not? And some of the... <laughs> It's a library. What about... Oh. What about some of the really worst stuff? Because from my understanding, Playboy's pretty tame. Tame, yeah. mm-hmm. It's not like well, we, the, you know... We the, have, I mean, 
hey, look, pornography is legal here. Mm-hmm. Um, if if the public library has a record of it, that's fine. Obscenity is something else. Okay. So let, let's just go back to the simple, you know, adult section. Should they come up with an adult section that we, that, you know, there's some committee somewhere that decides, you know what, okay, we've read this, we feel that it's not appropriate for a certain age group, since we're going to stock this, let's maybe curtail it and keep it out of certain hands. I don't Agree, know. We'll disagree. Have, we'll have to rewrite the whole Dewey Decimal System. <laughs> the numbers are going to be off. Well, <laughs> don't they need just a dot .xxx you know, for, for it? I, I don't know how the Dewey Decimal System works. They'd have but. to reshelve and everything. <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean, this... Uh, like, crazy books that maybe young people shouldn't read in libraries isn't mm. a new thing. Um, Good. Uh, uh, let, me, let me reference Seinfeld again. Uh, they brought that up in the article. Well, no, they didn't. They brought up Tropic of Capricorn. Yeah, Tropic yeah. of Cap- Capricorn. Cancer. That's that's uh, that's a a book that you can get in libraries. It's erotic. It's the Fifty Shades of Grey of the '60s or yeah. whenever it was. What was that book again? Tropic of Capricorn I it was and Tropic of Cancer. No, there there are two. Right, but the Tropic of Cancer is the worst one, right? I can't remember which one's worse. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure they're both. I'll get both. them yeah. both. Yeah. I'm sure <laughs> I'll be turned on by, by either of them. And I finally know which book that I'm going to pick for our next book. <laughs> <laughs> good. Way to take one for the team. Yeah. yeah. Flying High would also be a, a good choice <laughs> I, I've, I've been given to understand. Flying High, okay. Fifty Shades of Grey, Flying High, Tropic of Cancer, Tropic of Capricorn, Penthouse Magazine. <laughs> But just the letters section. Yeah. <laughs> but to, going back to what you were saying, it, it was in a Seinfeld episode. Oh, sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, it, where they, they had a flashback to 20 years ago when they were in, like, Jerry and George were in high school and they, like, checked out the book Tropic of Cancer, Capricorn and Cancer. It, it's actually in both of, I think, because they get the books confused in the episode. That's why I get them confused. But uh, about how, like... You know, they were kind of smuggling it to each other because it's like this dirty book, and they both wanted to read it. And they both wanted to like, like read it to a girl or something like that. So it was like, yeah, that was the, what the episode was about. And it was actually a flashback in Seinfeld. So you know, they're in the '70s and they have the '70s hair. Oh. Bookman. Yes, it has the character. Yeah, it has the character of Bookman, who, one of the best yeah. Seinfeld characters ever, as far as I'm concerned. The library cop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Hilarious, absolutely hilarious. If you haven't ever seen that, Joey, you should I'll see that episode. Yeah, just for that character alone, I think. So, you know, and the reason I I brought this whole thing up, I actually, as much as I would never read Fifty Shades of Grey, I don't. I'm I'm kind of on on your page, Pete. I don't mind so much that the library stocks it because I do pay attention to what my kids check out from the library. I, I'm <laughs> I'm engaged and I'm going to control. Richard Scary. Curious George, Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Beth, how did this get in here? What were you doing? Uh, but, you know, the, the, the part that got me really upset, really bent out of shape, was the suggestion over and over again in the article that the only possible way for anyone to read this book would be if their library stock, stocks it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If the library doesn't stock it, it therefore is completely un- unaccessible to all Americans. And, and and that was the part that just just got me fired up. I just the, this the, idea the capitalist that, inside of you. Yes, the capitalist inside of me said, "Go buy the book." You never heard of Amazon.com? What's wrong with you people? And, and so I, you know, I, I just wanted to talk about it just because 
I thought it was an interesting topic to say, you know, oh, you know, what is really the role of the public library? I think of it more as like the role of a museum. I think the, the library is a museum for books. That's, that's the way it is in my mind. It's a curated experience. You have the, the library director and it is up to him to decide what experience he is trying to provide for the community that is giving him their tax funds. And, and that is it, the way I'd like to see and that. And if that the treated. community says, no, we don't want that, then you're okay with that? I'm okay with that, yeah. Does the community have any way to voice their opinion in that? Uh, here in Utah, they absolutely do, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about you go that? To the, you go to your local library's website, and they will have uh, the link on there to contact the... can't remember what their title is now. It's not the purchaser, but that's basically what their Smut role is. Smut in chief? <laughs> there's, a, there's a specific title for it in the library sciences, but it, it's basically the purchasing agent, right? It's, it's the person who decides where the library is going to sp spend their funds. And, you know, it's one of those things where the people who bother to contact the library are the ones who, whose voices get heard, and that's probably the direction the library is, is going to go. So let me ask you the question I, I, I kind of threw at John, which is, do you think that there should be an adult section, some sort of protected section? No. No. I, it... So the fourteen-year-old boy wandering in and saying, "Yes, I'll take those Playboy and Shades of Grey, please." <laughs> Here's my problem: by making an adult section, in my opinion, all you've done is invite fourteen-year-old boys to find some way to sneak in there and get the material. <laughs> They'll do it just because it's illegal. Just because it's illicit. <laughs> Where you, you think such a little about uh, fourteen-year-old boys? I was eh? a fourteen-year-old boy, <laughs> and I know I never had any interest in going into the pornography section of the of the video store until I was told I couldn't, and at that point I had to get in. It just it became a thing I had to do. Not necessarily because I was like, oh yeah, I want to watch me some porn because that was kind of weird and creepy. That's what creepy old guys did. But they told me I couldn't go in there. And that's what made it interesting. And that's why I don't think you should have it in the library. I think you're basically saying, yes, go read these books. Because we've told you not to. You know, I, and, and I, you know, I had the same experience with books when I, was, when I was in middle school or high school, somewhere in there. When they're like, oh yeah, Lady, Lady Shatterley's Lover. It's, you know, it's so awful. It's pornographic. It's, it's erotica. I went and I read it and I'm like, boy, what is everybody making such a fuss over? It just wasn't that much graphic in that book uh, you you can get the same out of any daniel Steele novel today and and daniel Steele, how do you <laughs> spell that again s-t-e-e-l-e -E -E. <laughs> anyway uh i i think the idea of, of making an adult section is basically enticing you know the young men and even young women in some cases to go well, partake, partake that's the 50 shades of gray crowd the the women. Oh yeah, yeah it's, it's it, more it, of a. Did you see the Saturday Night yes, Live? Yes, and thing? I've been thinking of it the whole time. <laughs> there is a Saturday Night Live. I wonder. It's probably still on Hulu. I bet. Uh, mm. I bet it still is. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, the thing is, I think there is an adult section. It's just that there's not attention brought to it. There is like you know there is I I we, think there is an erotica section of the Dewey Decimal System. It's just. We need, point it out. we need to find a 14-year-old, some underaged kid, and start doing some field research. Send them into the library asking for various levels of inappropriate and see how far they get. I don't see how that plan could <laughs> go wrong. 
<laughs> I'd be interested. Uh, if you can go drop by the Salt Lake City Public Library sometime, see if they stock Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay, I will ask for that. <laughs> I'll I'll need right a, I need a trench coat and uh, <laughs> a creepy dark, smile, dark glasses, and a mustache. <laughs> A real thin mustache. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the best part is watching uh, you cringe every time you laugh. Some laughs are okay, but uh, there's a few that aren't. Uh, um, okay, so you guys heard it here first. Uh, Joey, thumbs up to Library System and yep. thumbs up to Fifty Shades, Shades of Grey. <laughs> I did not say that. And getting Fifty Shades of Grey into the hands of 14-year-olds. Well, you know. You gotta teach them young. <laughs> Someone's hey. gotta teach them. The market has spoken. Ah, that's right. That's all I'm saying. Uh, well, these books had to have been out for a while. If there's yeah. three of them, they, they've apparently they've been out for a really long time. But this is their first release, and it was like it was a vanity press, a very small print run, and now a major publisher. I, I want to say it was. Scholastic or somebody? Who, who is it that owns Scholastic? Deseret Book? No, it wasn't Deseret Book. <laughs> Can't remember. It's, I think, oh, by the way, that's an LDS publisher here in Utah. I, I, who would like, not be making it's that like book? Prentice Hall or somebody like that. Or, no, Morgan Kaufman, I think it was. I think it was Morgan Simon Kaufman. Simon Schuster? No. I believe it was Morgan Kaufman who purchased the rights to it and ran it under one of their imprints as a mass market paperback release. And that's what's kind of brought this issue to the forefront. Okay. In the uh, city library system, so, oh, that's like nine, eight, eight or nine libraries, there are 26 copies of wow. Fifty Shades of Grey. There you go. Awesome. And I'm going to place my hold right now. <laughs> ah, good for you, John. Um, okay. Are we good? We're good. All right, let us proceed into episodes. We are going to be covering episodes two through three of Firefly. And we'll start with episode two, The Train Job. Joey. The crew take on a job, but think better of it once they meet the victims. All right, that's pretty good. Thanks. Now, the, the, the thing running through my head, I like the episode. I'll just say it right now. I like them all. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing running through my head is like, it's like, okay, this wasn't as good as the first one, but how did this episode just absolutely ruin Joey's experience, like, for Firefly. Because I don't see how it just absolutely was the worst thing that could have happened to you when you Because there, were no there was no introduction of characters, their personalities. It was just dropping you into the middle of the story. I like that. Isn't that I, what we said we liked about Joss Whedon? There, there was no introduction to the characters. And it's a character-driven show. So you have no idea what, what the composition of the individual characters are. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's safe to say we all like Serenity as a pilot better than Train Job as yes. an introduction. Would would you agree to that? Yeah, as a as a pilot, certainly. Um, I do have something further to say about that when we talk about the the next episode. Um, but I mean, personally, um, I thought I still thought that a good job was done in introducing people, despite you know w without actually saying. You know, here's this guy, here's this guy, here's this guy. Um, you know, it, it is something that I think we said was a good thing last time where uh, 
you know, trust we, the audience. We, yeah, trust the, that's, yeah, I was trying to use your words. I was like trying to reverse it back on you and use your <laughs> words, but thank you for finishing that. Try using titillate. He seems yeah. to enjoy that <laughs> one. To titillate the audience by not giving us boring exposition. Um, but yeah, uh, now Pete, did you get all the way through the commentary? commentary? I did. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's one of the things they talked about, um, was finding a way to introduce everybody again. And like, for instance, like the, the, the one where like, and here we know Kaylee is the mechanic because she rolls from a skateboard underneath, from underneath something, which is, you know, just the layman's term for this person's a mechanic. Um, and so they did have to do it in a much like smaller, shorter, abridged way. Yeah, definitely. I like said, that. You know, they they, they didn't like they didn't have the two hours to work with, obviously. Yeah. So to, to me, the episode feels like an action episode. Mm-hmm. It, that's the way it feels, and they have the added job of saying, "Here's these characters which you're seeing for the first time." I didn't see this first thing. All I ever saw was the um, the commercials for it, and I remember seeing horses <laughs> i thought this was a space program and i was turned off of it because of that and the very first episode i ever saw was one where they were literally i think they were in wagons and i thought okay i'm out i'm done <laughs> and so i never got i never even had a chance to for a first go at this to be able to see this as a first episode hmm. I, it was Serenity that I ended up seeing as the first episode because I borrowed DVDs from Brandon, I think it was. Okay. Oh, I thought, I thought you did watch it live. It, it, no, yeah. I, I didn't. I feel bad now that I hadn't. But I, for me, this definitely feels more like an action thing, which mm-hmm. I can kind of understand why Joey would be turned off by the fact that he doesn't know who any of the characters are. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with it so much. I don't think it's the best way to introduce characters, but... I didn't hate it like yeah. Joey did. I, I think you said it well, though. You said that it, it's an action show, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to watch an action TV show. I don't watch uh, Hawaii Five O. I don't, you know, I don't watch cop chases. You know, My, Michael Bay does TV. You <laughs> yeah, I would, I would not, I would not watch that. Wouldn't show. that be awesome if he did a television <laughs> show or something like that? Writing's on the wall. I think it's going to happen. That, that would be so cool. It would be like ridiculously over budget. Yeah. And there would just be explosions everywhere. <laughs> I, you know, I am, I, I, when I watch my, when I watch television, I'm generally looking for what I consider to be more of a, more, more depth than what I felt this episode had. I just didn't get the sense of depth that you get when you watch so many and you get, okay, these are not, the, not all of these characters are, are pastiches. They're not two dimensional mm. cardboard cutout ideas of a character. There's actually some depth to them. And in watching this episode, I don't, I, I did not get that sense of depth of the characters. It just seemed like, oh yeah, you got the the gruff cowboy and you got the the preacher man, you know, and <laughs> and you got the whore. Don't forget the yeah, whore. Yeah, the whore. Yeah. Um, I'm glad none of you have said what we all know about this episode, which was originally they Tim Minier and um, Joss Whedon wrote it in two days. Yes. Yeah. Because the the bigwig said. Yeah, we'd like you to write something else. And by the way, we need it by, you know, Monday morning before we get in. So they write it in two days. When I first heard that, I thought, wow, they made something, you know, wrote something in two days, and then they filmed it the next week. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the case at all. They were still doing Angel and Buffy 
apparently, according to the the commentary commentary that I listened to. So, I feel like they had a chance, plenty of chance to go through this and really make it a little bit better. Add some meat to it? Yeah. So, I'm I'm glad none of you said, this is crap because it was written in two days. (laughs) And I I just wanted to comment on that in case there's any fan out there who's saying... Yeah, this one, I, I hate this one because they wrote it in two days. I just want to emphasize that I never said this was crap. Uh, no, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't aiming that at you, sir. Uh-huh. But um, the thing, well, honestly, as far as that story goes, uh, the version they wrote probably was worse than the version we saw. So. Yeah, I agree to that. Pete, did you want to do your one-liner section here up front? No, because, I mean, nobody really participated that much we got two emails well, I so, have a whole bunch of one liners that I wrote down um, <laughs> I, I didn't know. really have a, a, a plan for that yeah. I was just kind of right. throwing that out there and seeing who would do it maybe we do it at the end of the episode Okay. I don't know maybe we'll see Okay. the episode actually begins and they're playing Chinese checkers <laughs> oh, yeah. have any of you when was the last time you guys played Chinese I, checkers I don't even know how I, I we had a uh, a board growing know. up, we had we had the game Chinese checkers, and it had the board and it had all the marbles, but it didn't have the rules. Oh, I've never wow. learned how to play Chinese checkers. I can teach we, you. We, we would always just you know make up our own game <laughs> <laughs> with Chinese checkers. Just be like, yeah, okay, I know. I get to move around here and do this. Uh-huh. It's kind of like Kelvin Ball with Chinese checkers. <laughs> the rules are very similar to checkers, if I remember correctly. They are. So. They are. I don't know how to play checkers either. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> it's sort of like chess, okay, but with pawns. I was gonna say chi- uh, checkers is kind of like Chinese checkers. <laughs> I knew Pete was thinking that. <laughs> I could hear that all the way over the, here. The point is to get to the other side of the board. In Chinese checkers, the whole point is you trying to get all of your pieces over to the other side of the board. In regular checkers, you're just trying to take all of the pieces of the other guy. So, do you help? take pieces in Chinese checkers? No. Yeah. Okay. You don't. If I, yeah, you don't take pieces at all. But if if one is positioned a certain way, you can use it to get yeah. further. Like like you can jump over it. Yeah. As part of the rule. You can move one at a time. But if there's someone in front of you, you can do hops. And there's a place to land kind of thing. So if you if you look at the board right, you can get a one guy to go a very long distance and like you know be efficient with that. But my thought when I saw that is. You know, maybe I didn't do my research, but I always... Do they really play Chinese checkers in China? <laughs> or is it just another... Because I, I kind of thought... I didn't actually think it was literally a Chinese game. It was just something that we call no Chinese idea. checkers. But I don't know. Maybe so, that's some racist so it's like, yeah, terrible of... racist slur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it works, I mean, in this show, because Chinese, you know, the, the whole Chinese language and whatnot. So I liked it. Yeah, unless it's offensive, unless it's not supposed to be there. Like the the the, the best thing we have of Earth that was of of this of the, one half of it the was thing this, that survived. The thing that yeah, that is something that's just a a blatant stereotype that's not true. Yeah, I expected it to be Go that they were playing, but so here's what Wikipedia has to say for whatever that's worth. Despite the name Chinese checkers, the game is not a variation of checkers, nor did it originate in China or any part of Asia. <laughs> <laughs> Game was invented in Germany in 1892. Huh. That's Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Did they call it Chinese checkers? 
No, they called Germany? it Here, yeah. in Germany. They called it American oh. check. Ah, nice. <laughs> uh, apparently, they called it Sternhalma. Sternhalma. There you go. Isn't go it's, Japanese? It, Stern is German for star. Oh yeah, because it's star. Star shaped, yeah. Yeah. Wow, how in the world did we get to Chinese checkers? Because they play Chinese checkers in the episode. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not our conversation, <laughs> dummy. How did a German game get to become Chinese checkers? There's there's something on that in the Wikipedia article, but I don't All think right. it's really entertaining for us it's to say like, Wikipedia. <laughs> probably it was a PR campaign during World War II. Ah. <laughs> they didn't want to have any, so, you know, of course, it's, you know... We're not who, at war with the Chinese. Yeah. Say, who, who's a harmless country that we could never possibly ever be in competition with? How <laughs> China? <laughs> All right, so they're sitting around the bar, as it turns out, on Unification Day. Yeah. Mm. Um, which is the... Uh, Not just any bar, a an alliance-friendly bar. <laughs> which, and this is exactly what I was thinking of when I mentioned that. I didn't realize it was the very next episode where we, we see people in, like, Serenity's predicament, the same, like, level of life, but but still they're alliance supporters when you think, you know, if if Mal and crew are kind of fighting against what the Alliance says, and fighting against the Alliance pushing them down all the time. These people are apparently were all for it, for some reason. Yeah. Or a significant number of them, at least. Yeah, yeah. And it's only eight years away, so... It's still gotta be pretty fresh. Six. Six years. Thank yeah. you. Uh, it's still gotta be pretty fresh yeah. in uh, for them to have known they lost. Um, so I'm, like, wondering if these people are just... They just cheer for the winning team, like they're they're Yankees fans. <laughs> Is that how all Yankees fans are? Wow! All Yankees fans are like that. <laughs> now I don't know. I, I I just I just thought that was a safe thing to say because you know whatever baseball. I think it sucks uh, overall. So. <laughs> whatever baseball. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, you know your coat is kind of a brownish color. Uh, which uh, then incites uh, or uh, you know, pushes things along to eventually get to the fight where they, you know, have a, a, a barroom brawl, yeah. which is a iconic Western theme thing to do. I love when he gets thrown out the window and yes. it's a hologram. That was awesome. <laughs> yes, that, that was very funny. Um, so then we get introduced once again to Serenity as yeah. it flies up the, the ship. I have a feeling it shouldn't have really surprised that many people because... You should have been able to hear it coming. Yeah, I feel like they should have been able to hear that. Uh, before we get to that, I just did want to mention, whoever did the fight choreography here gets kudos from me because you had, you were, you had some get people getting kicked in the knees. You had people throwing dirt in the eyes. Huh. I mean, this was a real kind of fight. This was yeah. not a TV fight. They did an excellent job of making a, it. This uh, is an exercise in pugilism. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they all didn't know martial arts. Yes. That's what I'm glad about. I am glad about that. <laughs> because they weren't dead and turned into vampires yet. Yes. Not yet. <laughs> once that happens, kung fu. <laughs> why, and why not? Why could they? <laughs> uh, well, no, never mind. Uh, I, I love the look that River gives Simon. She... She wakes up from a nightmare, and she's in the corner freaking out, and Simon says, do you know who I am? And she just gives them this, what kind of idiot do you take me for look? <laughs> yes, you're Simon. 
Yes, it's good acting by uh, uh, Summer in, in that position. Uh, she's introduced to Mal and or reintroduced. You know, hey, this is the Captain Mal, and she says Mal, bad, in the Latin. Yep. Um, okay, my next note is companions choose their clients. Yeah, so we do learn a little bit about the Guild of Companions here. Which kind of makes it a little more okay, right? If they're literally choosing this, this is not something where they get forced into this at a young age. They're like, hmm, yes, you shall become a companion. No, they choose this life. They then also choose their clients. So it's a it's a better form of prostitution, right? I, I don't like that form because that implies that I could get denied even by a prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and that would be awkward. <laughs> you're, you're already depressed enough that you're choosing to uh, yeah. get a prostitute, and even then, you are rejected. Mm-hmm. My question is, does, does the Guild of Companions let you know ugly, hideous, overweight, scarred women in? Or do they only let the pretty ones in? They must, I mean... I don't know what you have to do to get in, but, it, I mean, the, the way Kaylee talks to Inara, it, it sounds like it sounds like Kaylee would never have a chance to do it. Yeah, like it's a know? pretty selective thing. Yeah. Is that because there's a certain level of intelligence that you have to, or grooming, not grooming is the wrong word, but... Uh, upbringing? Upbringing, Yeah. Like, they have to come from a higher class of society. They can't just wake up one day and say, you know, Horan seems pretty good. These these people seem like they're doing all right. I'll, I'll go there, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it's it could, a shame. Could be a number of things. When, when, it's when a we shame get Joss we on the show, we'll have to ask him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we, we didn't go four seasons where if we could have really explored <laughs> the companion uh, culture. Uh, actually, here's, actually, here's um, something. If um, Maybe it's not that you actually get denied by a prostitute. But maybe if if you submit your request, then all requests must be fulfilled. Um, but there was low men on the totem pole. Has yeah, to do yeah. It. But like, uh, like, however, whatever rankings you have, like, uh, like Inara, if it's her turn to pick first, then you know she has picks. But eventually, all right the first all the work has to be done by the companions eventually. Um, and I mean, and if you're booked for the weekend, then. No one's going home until that happens. I want to laugh so bad at that. It's hilarious. I, I'm serious here. It's funny, though, just to think about it. Uh, anyway, um, so uh, she's there combing Kaylee's hair, and they're talking about the doctor, and in comes Mal because he doesn't like the state of his engine room. Yeah. And uh, she is told to... We, we work on. before we play. Yes. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely right. Uh, as I'm frustrated with my server administrator at my work. Uh, we'll leave that alone there. Yeah, happy no happy Memorial Day to all. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The uh, next note that I have is Niska, the creepy old scary man. <laughs> the creepy old scary German man. Yeah. <laughs> Which, if you're going to go with this cliche, German's the way to go. Am I right? Sure. Good thing we don't have any German listeners. Yes. <laughs> His ancestors invented Chinese checkers. <laughs> uh, I think that they did a great job of casting 
Yeah. That guy, I think he pulled that character off very well. And uh, he definitely scared me. I liked his whole monologue about the difference between a reputation and what you know someone is capable of or uh-huh. willing to do. Uh, that was, you know, it, it was a good point that was made, I think, in the episode to say, you know, what is a reputation? Oh, it's just, it's really just gossip of people talking. It's disarming the very casual nature that he has with everything that, you know, he discusses, oh, his wife is going to be upset with him about, you know, such and such thing. Well, that thing is that he just killed her Her nephew, nephew. you know, and that for me just takes the creepy and scary to the next level because of how calm and relaxed and matter of fact someone is Mm -hmm. about something like that. I I love the line that he gives. He says, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to get an earful of this over dinner. Oh, well, there was no way to prevent it. (laughs) <laughs> something along those lines I'm like well sure there was like, you don't kill the guy yeah, it feels like there might have been one thing he could have done yeah good point uh, so they decide to um, do a train job yep. again a classic western theme um, we're going to rob the train um, but this one's kind of cool because it's a magnet train mm. which glad that we finally invented those sufficient that uh I assumed in sixth grade that we'd all be riding magnet trains right now. Which they do exist, but not to the extent uh, mechanically like this one does here. Mm -hmm. This one's much, much cooler. Uh, Let's see here. Inara prays for Mal. Yeah. I don't know what God listened to her prayers, but... Well, that's... You don't think that God listens to a prostitute's prayers. Is that what just came out of your mouth, sir? Is that the selective God you that, believe yes, in? Is. No, it's not. I just thought that You're going to be running for Congress someday, sir. You you need to make sure your record's clean on this subject. No, no, no. I'm going to get appointed to Congress. That's a difference. <laughs> You're going to become a page. That's... You implied, you know, what god is if there were many gods. And if there were many gods, I'm sure some of them frequent the guild. It was an honest Earth question. Which, specifically, which one? Oh, right. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Jane gets shot in the leg. Uh, you just you skipped the uh, the whole actual heist. Oh, the itself. actual heist. Yeah, I sure did, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, because I had a problem with the heist. So Jane drops out. And just drops straight down to the train. Yeah. I feel like he should have gotten blown around a little bit. A little more than... I feel like as soon as he comes down past the edge of the ship, he should get, you know, swung back. Yeah. Pretty hard. That's a good point. And it's not something that you would just jump out of a moving plane and still have, you know, whatever inertial dampeners are happening aboard that ship. I feel like maybe you would have left. Or maybe this is the magical gravity field... That you know is aboard this ship, like you talked about. Last Maybe time. that's why the why Serenity is shaking so hard. You got the magical gravity field of Serenity <laughs> extending all the way down to the train, uh, and and it's uh, it's uh, getting uh, messed with by the magnetic uh, field sure. of sure. the train itself. <laughs> We've just explained it all the way, everyone. Thank oh, you. Oh, so they cancel each other. So it could only be a magnetic train. <laughs> Uh, okay, I, I guess I was just nitpicking over nothing. Uh, what do you want to say about the train? The the actual heist there? Because I've got no notes, obviously. I, I, 
I didn't write anything down. I mean, like, you know, what did they mean by this and what could we bring up to talk about? But it was exciting, you know? Yeah, no no argument there. I, it just, it seemed overly convoluted, their plan on how to do how to perform this heist. You've obviously never seen the, probably the third best Fast and the Furious movie, which was the fifth one. <laughs> You're right. I haven't seen... Where I, I saw the first Fast and the Furious. Was that, that was Too it. Fast, Too Furious? Yeah, the fifth one was called Too Fast, Too Furious. Wait, I thought right. the fifth one was called Fast Five. Yes, it's called Fast, Fast Five. Five. Oh, okay. Sorry, yeah, I, was, I, don't I, was, know. I was joking. Too Fast, Too Furious is the second one. Two is in the title. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so I like... I see 20 minutes of one. Fast and the Furious 3 was Tokyo Drift. There wasn't three in there, so... <laughs> If you, if anybody ever wants to know anything about Fast and the Furious, I know everything. The, the best part of the fifth Fast and the Furious is before they do their big, big heist, they have to get some capital. They have to make some money first. Um, so instead of like robbing a bank or just, I don't know, going to a bank for a loan, maybe. Um, they uh, Here's our plan to repay you. We're going to go perform this illegal activity over here. Yeah. Uh, We're good for the money. We'll pay you back. But their quick and easy job that they're introduced to in the middle of the movie is to actually rob a moving train. Um, and on the moving train is like like Lamborghinis and stuff. They're actually going to take Lamborghinis off of a moving train before okay. the bridge where their like, sidecar that they're stealing the stuff from like plummets down like thousands and thousands of feet. Um, anyway, pretty awesome. Because I think they probably should have just held up a convenience store. <laughs> Because, you know, a convenience store has as much cash on hand as a few Lamborghinis. It would be... Doesn't it do a hundred convenience a... stores would be a lot safer than the plan they came up with. <laughs> so what was Fast and the Furious 4 called? It was called... <laughs> um, Fa Fast and the Furious 4 was called Fast and Furious. Was, was <laughs> I've seen oh them all. Gosh. They all suck except for the first one, the third one, the fourth one, and the fifth one. <laughs> Wait, the, only the second one sucked? Only the second... Well, that's not how I would phrase it, but yeah. <laughs> Clearly <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Anyway, back to Firefly. <laughs> uh, Jane gets shot. <laughs> can, I, can we yeah, move up to that point then? That. Yep. Yeah, he gets All right. shot. Jane gets shot. Um, and, uh, and Zoe doesn't get back on the... The, the lift. I don't understand why she lays there on the ground and shouts, go, 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 instead of just standing up. No? Alright. Um, well, I'm trying to think of what they're... Uh, well, because they needed to... Uh, they had a cover story, didn't they? Yeah, they had a cover. I mean, I guess Mal could have gotten on the lift, too, and they would have been fine, right? So as long as they all got on the lift, maybe the lift can only handle one person kind of thing. Well, they were no, all I think they were all supposed on. to get on it. I yeah. think they were. Hmm. That was the I original like plan. Because cause Zoe was going to clip in, and I feel like there must have been another clip. Okay, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I never really caught why they had to stay, actually. I, 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 I like... get why Zoe decides to stay with Mal, because that's part of the cover story. Yeah. Is the, the tickets that they had were for this couple. And so if she's suddenly not there, then that means mm. his he doesn't have a, a proper cover story. Okay. Uh, we get to hear the two-by-two two hands of blue for the first time. 
Yes. Referencing one of the great unsolved mysteries of the Firefly series. I love this. This may be one of my most favorite parts of this. And I don't know why it wasn't in the movie. Yeah. Well, well, you're getting ahead of yourself, sir. We haven't covered the movie yet. Um, This, the creepy way that this is introduced through, once again, Summer, um, and how freaked out she is by these things yeah and we should know that they are truly truly creepy um anyway what i thought was interesting is we have once again hammered home the fact that the almighty alliance so great and wonderful saviors of the universe they're not going to help out with the they're an aloof bureaucracy yeah they're 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 not going to they're unwilling to help out with the, the little guys so to speak I love Mal's discussion with the sheriff. He says, well, you know, that's the alliance. Join everybody together under one roof so that they can be ignored or interfered with equally. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which, uh, I I guess, it's okay. I mean, if that's the way that you want to have your government be, have it... There's there's trade-offs, I'm sure, that come from it. Yeah. And all of those people who went out to the border planets didn't have to go out there. So, well, and clearly one of the trade-offs is the medicine. Yes. Um, which, uh, that's what we find out is that they have stolen, and uh, we come to find out that Mal suddenly has a heart about all of this, and he's like, oh, crap, there's no way in the world we can keep these medicines. Uh, we, we've got to to get rid of them. So what, do you, what are your thoughts about taking a job that you find morally repulsive? Would you be able to do it? Like, if it was the only job opportunity that's available to you it's the only way you can see to make money you have to survive somehow would you take a job that is morally repugnant to you i don't even know how i can answer that question because i'm not even close to that position it's not even something i could fathom yeah it's hard for me to answer because i i usually don't take jobs just because i don't like working Well, let me put you in your place there, Joey. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> now, um, but my uh, one thought kind of crossed my mind um, is I, I don't know how uh, uh, successful of a, of a thieving corporation they could possibly have if if they only strictly steal from people who did, like deserve to be still, stole from. It, it does seem odd that that is... I, I guess if it's the... Uh, faceless, yes. Um, exactly. uh, uh, Masses. Who who is the one who are in control? Joe Q. Public. Oh, the Alliance. Alliance. Thank you. I couldn't think of that name. If mm-hmm. if it's the faceless Alliance, I don't feel like they have any problem whatsoever. Or anyone who represents the Alliance, I have. I don't think that they're going to have any problem pulling whatever heist they need to on them, which mm-hmm. makes it pretty select group of people and a pretty dangerous group of people to start choosing to you know steal from mm-hmm. so i don't know it, it it makes me curious about what seasons three four and five of firefly look like when we're still running off trying to pull these capers from time to time i i just wonder if they're going to run out of material for that and where, well, the, where the show goes Managed to last four or five seasons on that principle. Do you think, though, that Leverage Season 1 is anywhere close to the type of story no. that we have with 
with Firefly no, season that's one. That's a good point. It's a good point. It, it, Leverage is meant to be a, a popcorn show, yeah. really. Have, have you seen? I still haven't seen Leverage. I'll have to see okay. it. But, um, I, I guess you know the story is as old as. Uh, I mean, it's thousands of years old. It's it's really Robin Hood, mm-hmm. um, and I think we love seeing, you know, Robin Hood in action because we like to believe in the heroes that are as cool as outlaws. Um, the the bad boy kind of aspect to it. We yeah. all want to rebel from, you know, in some point, so we mm-hmm. look to the bad boy and think, ah, that's really cool. I kind of wish I could be like him in some mm-hmm. way, and so I'm, I'm going to root for this brigand, this rogue-type character. Did, did it, Although I, I pray we never, you know, cheer for the outrageous Okana. Oh, gosh, why did you do that? Um, is Has anybody seen Time Bandits lately? Yes. Okay, lately? Uh, maybe a year. Okay, I um, I saw it for, like, uh, I saw it, like, 20 years ago, and then I saw it again, like, a month ago. Okay. For the first time in a long time. So there are a lot of things that I, I didn't really notice. Probably my favorite part is when they travel back in time and visit Robin Hood, who's played by John Cleese. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and in Robin Hood, like, mostly his men steal from them. They're, they're taking, they're like, no, no, we're taking all your stuff. You're rich. You're taking all our stuff. And, you know, they kind of... And there's... They're like... They see the unjustness of it. Like, what what's going on here? But then they actually meet Robin Hood, who's nothing but just kind of a... Like, everyone else is dressed, you know, like, in the Holy Grails. Like, everyone's got crap all over them. But Robin Hood comes out, and he's like... In these green tights. Just these... Just this... <laughs> just very clean, and very, like, Errol Flynn. And just... And it's John Cleese. He's like, oh, hello, and... Hello, yeah. how are you? All friendly. And... He's just friendly, and he just shakes it. He just does a courtesy <laughs> shake of the hand to the people he's robbing from, and he, and he's just and he's just like so nice about it. He's just this nice guy, but it's like the whole thing is just a big front for what he act, for what the organization actually is. I thought it was a pretty cool scene. That sounds hilarious. It, it's pretty good. It's a bizarre movie. Yeah. You've I, never seen Time Bandits? I, I don't think I've ever sat down and seen the movie as a whole. No. It is it it's is on Netflix. It is on Netflix. It's it's one it's it's a late nighter kind of, <laughs> kind of movie. Yeah. Sounds like that's what we're doing after the podcast, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let's move back on to, to things. So Inara steps in and she's gonna help out because she's gonna go into town and play the respectable role. Yeah. Yep. Once again, we've got uh, Joss Whedon turning things completely on their head, and the woman of ill repute is the one who has the actual respectability yeah. here. Um, by the way, we did, we did skip past the introduction of the character played by Greg Henry, the sheriff. Oh, sure. I, I love that guy. He's, he's a great bit actor. I don't know if it's fair to call him that, but... He plays kind of the hard case in so many things, and I think he always does a good job at it. Yeah, the uh, the commentary they talked about how much they enjoyed him, and you know when the it wasn't in the script for him to light up his cigarette and then pass it to the guy to who the was guy in behind bars. Behind bars, yeah. He <laughs> was like that was completely ad libbed by him, but we just kind of went with it because it was like, ah, oh, it's really good. I mean, that's you know, He's really a, cool the way he did that. They're 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 flipping the. <laughs> They're flipping the character of, hey, you know what, a sheriff? Maybe a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because as we find out at the end, he, you know, when he comes to find out that it's these guys who have stolen the medicine, he 
he doesn't take him in. He's he, like, he yeah, understands your position. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what's going on, and I respect kind of what you've done here. Yeah. Uh, okay, but before that happens, um, they <laughs> they take the medicine back, and uh, then we have hold this... on now. <laughs> we have we have Jane in command of the ship. Okay, and yes. some of the best moments of yes. this episode come while Jane is in, you know, believes he's in command of the ship. Uh, and yes, then, his his chain of command. Yes, chain of, you know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with until you understand who's in, in command around here. <laughs> but uh, Simon, quick thinking, dopes him. Like he, he asks for some painkillers. Simon just pumps him full of something, and as he's standing there yelling at Wash, and Simon's like, "You really should sit down, Janie. You know, I've been trying around here, and you can't change that by going all." Bendy. <laughs> I've been on that drug, I think. <laughs> I've had that experience. Yeah, and there's a great job by Adam Baldwin, who then yep. starts reaching the out for, <laughs> for these things. And watch. Did he just go crazy and then fall asleep? <laughs> I like that Wash put his foot on Jane while he's, you know, yeah. then babbling incoherently. That, that was that was pretty humorous. It was. Uh, okay, so they take the medicine back. They get to the ship, and uh, well, no, they haven't taken the, medicine, taken the back. medicine back. They, they, they have the big fight scene where yeah. Niska's uh, guys show up with, you know, Kroll. <laughs> yeah, the hmm. the ultimate bad guy. Throws a knife into Mal. Yeah. I can't imagine Mal's going to be able to fight much. Just, I'm only basing this off of my most recent experiences of having my shoulder dislocated. I would imagine having a knife buried into you potentially three inches. It's going to cause some some difficulties in you being able to fight. Well, I, I will say, having probably being the only person here who's had a, had a knife sunk into his flesh deep enough that it stuck into bone. Um, John, wrong, could you? wrong again, John. Wrong again. All right. Well, then you then you can you can countermand me if if you choose. Oh wait, you but, mean in real life? Yes. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, you know, the one time it happened to me, I ran a pretty good distance before I felt the effects of the knife. Like, I knew it was there. Okay, okay. I was running. Kick, then. I mean, there's just that, uh, between adrenaline and the fight-or-flight response, I think that it's perfectly reasonable that he fought through the pain here for a little while. I mean, you managed to play two games of soccer through your broken rib before it, before you started noticing it. Sure, I wasn't going to mention anything, but I am pretty amazing. <laughs> and Mal is even more amazing. Oh, oh, all right. Well, you've won me over with that argument. Um, so, we have the fight scene... They they prevail. They beat him up. Jane shoots the other guy in the leg. <laughs> I was aiming for his head. Um, anyway, they set him up outside, and they say, "Okay, <laughs> Niska, take uh, take this money back to Niska. You know, we're we're canceling out the job. We we don't want to do it. Best of luck to you, sort of thing." He's like, best, "No, best I, thing for all concerned." Yeah, I, I'll hunt you down. I'll kill you. Uh, He's like, "Jeez," oh, and then he kicks him. Sends him through the massive engines. <laughs> I have to imagine that one, the dude's dead. Yeah. And two, they must have done some sort of damage to, to those engines. engines. <laughs> because when a bird strike happens, which we all know about that recently, you have to immediately land because there needs to be mechanical work done. And granted, Firefly's engines are a little bit bigger than a 747. 
I feel like there's going to be some damage done on that. Yeah, me too. Okay. Uh, anyway, they bring the next guy over, and he <laughs> automatically <laughs> he complies. He's like, yeah, 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 no, I'm with you. <laughs> Best for everyone concerned. Smart man. Very, very smart man. Okay, now they take the medicine back. Um, of course, Niska probably killed him, though, right? I mean, <laughs> maybe. Uh, okay, and then we have the scene closing out with... Uh, the two creepy missionaries. <laughs> With the blue Did, hands. Yes, the blue hands guys, which I I thought of LDS missionaries when yeah. I saw these guys. Yeah, me too. Uh, maybe that's just because I was one at one point, and I walked around with blue hands. <laughs> no? What? No? No? Okay. I I, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if I'm the only person that, uh, one of them is standing up, and he says, you know, we didn't fly 86 million light years to deal with some, some band-aids. And he turns around, and when he first turns around, I thought, and, and I thought this actually, I don't think I thought this the first time I watched Firefly, but prior to this, the most recent time I watched Firefly, I also thought this. I thought, boy, that guy looks a little bit like Pete's friend John Madsen. Really? I didn't notice that. The red-haired guy? No, 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 not the red-haired guy, the one who's standing, standing up. I don't remember him. A, a little bit. Not, I mean, not, not, you wouldn't confuse you guys for each other passing on the street, but if you told me you were brothers, I would have believed you. Hmm. I'll check that out. Now, I, I'm am, am I the only one who like who's not super excited for the blue hand guys? Because yeah. I I always just kind of was just like, okay, well those are the guys that were that you know uh, that uh, River was under, you know that that were exper- that's the organization that was experimenting on River, um, and they have a unique character trait where they wear blue gloves, and we know you know River's potential. So we know why someone would want to uh, do those experiments and, and take advantage of her, and so you know, and so you can't explore that further. But I think you know, it's just it's kind of been done for me. Really? Oh yeah. I, I it's just it's just the unique character thing. Like if if they didn't have if they didn't have blue gloves, I mean, I guess that's know, true. I mean, know? they they do represent kind of the ultimate evil. Mm-hmm. You know, these are bad guys through and through, mm-hmm. and they're the ones who are chasing down the good guys, so to speak. I, I guess I, I can see your point yeah, to that. Yeah, I mean, but when I watched them, they freaked me out. It, mm-hmm. it, it was enough of suspense and uh, a scariness that I was I bought into it. Mm-hmm. For me, it was I, I really enjoy it because. It's almost, uh, I'd say, almost Straczynskian. Mm-hmm. It, it, it hints at the deeper plot and the more, uh, it, it, the more broad story. Yeah, kind of. I was, I was going to say the more uh, expanded or, or detailed universe that mm-hmm. exists. Yeah, you know, there is this organization, and why are they wearing blue gloves? What's that all about? And, yeah, you know, what really were they doing to River? I mean, we get that she's really smart. But they were doing some kind of experiments on her brain that appear to have made her somewhat psychic, psychically sensitive in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so really what was that all about? And, and so it, it, it appeals to the uh, conspiracy theory nut yeah. of inside me. Or the, yeah, you know, the crazy. Yeah, the, the, yes. the honey crusted nut bar. That I yeah, had. well, I mean, that's, and that's probably why, I mean, I always just kind of assumed that it, it sort of petered out to leave that kind of aura of of unknown in a in suspense he's like hey, i'm not going to touch the blue guys again i'm not going to close it out keep them guessing 
you know, as far as that goes. And it, actually, as far as River goes, I kind of thought um, the reason they were so interested in River uh, was actually because of her abilities. Um, like Not beyond. that they had done anything yeah. to her to get her to that point. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if it's if that's specific. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense that they would do something to her because it's so like it's unnatural for humans to just be born telepathic, no matter how smart you are. But right. for some reason in science fiction, I've noticed this that just in the future there's telepathy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. <laughs> why not? Why not? Save all our vocal cords. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Anything else, everybody? No. Okay, um, should we do... Oh, John's got something. Yeah, uh, really quick. Um, uh, back at the Unification Day thing, um, they do a toast to the dawn of a new galaxy. And I was just kind of wondering, because I was under the assumption that this isn't like a galactic empire, and the core planets are like, aren't in like a part of the galaxy and the outer planets are... I thought it was like a single solar system kind of thing that happened to have many hospitable planets on it based on... No, it's the galaxy. They, they, they reference the galactic rim. They do reference the galactic rim. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a solar system kind of near the galactic <laughs> rim? They reference that some planets are closer to the galactic center and some planets are out in the galactic rim. Okay. Because I, I always... I don't think... I always assume that these, the, these ships weren't actually, like light speed ships. They're faster it, than light travel. It, it seems like we're running into ships a lot more often than what we really should be then. I know, because they just bump There's, into ships. Yeah. It's, it's, just, it's just like with uh, shipping lanes. I mean, the, the, that's really what it is. You've got well-traveled okay, if, lanes. If we decide this is the route that we go that's safer this way because you'll potentially run into somebody if you're in trouble or something right. like that. I guess I could buy that. Mm-hmm. I can buy that. See, I mean, because... Uh, I still have a hard time with, like, the entire galaxy because it I mean, does seem like a small world, like a small-ish universe. Like they, the we don't really get an idea about yeah. the scale of how fast they can travel from place to place because it just seems to happen pretty quickly that they get from place to place in this really, really big world. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. We get uh, at a couple different points we will get to see maps projected that give us a sense of, you know, they're, they're, we're going from this solar system to that solar system. Hmm. Uh, although that may not happen until the movie. Maybe not. Yeah. Okay, anything else, John? Uh, no, no, no. Unless we're doing lines. Uh, tell you what, let's do lines during our ratings. Okay. 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 Yeah, let's do that. Okay, let's do Brainy Smurf. He says, train job. I don't know why Joey hates this episode so much. <laughs> I think that many people became hooked from watching this episode. I did. Viewing on its original air date. Uh, it's a nice little first episode, establishing uh, what Mal is all about. Sci-Fi 6, TV 7. Okay. And... He's, he said exactly what I said. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he's accepted you as his king. Yeah. So, well... Fitting. King of the Druplets. Does that make him a Druplet? I, I, I don't understand how the whole Druplets things work. And we'll never tell you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> You're not welcome to be there, Joey. Stop asking. <laughs> Listener Moneybag says, Hey guys, I was a little underwhelmed watching Serenity last week. That's first. Huh. That's first. I've never yeah. heard that before. But these two episodes reminded me why this show is so awesome. 
the train job. Mm. I'm probably in the minority here, but I think that in many ways, this is a better pilot than Serenity. Mm. It does a better job of dropping little hints about past events and the Firefly universe and letting the viewer figure out what's going on. Serenity does more for the Simon and River backstory, but this presents Jane in a more believable light. Not as a betrayer, but a thug for hire. I agree with that. I think he's right. And I prefer the scene in the bar to the battle scene from the beginning of Serenity. Well, you didn't. You kind of panned the the battle I did, scene. Yeah, I did. I did comment that they needed more actors. In that scene. <laughs> more than three actors? What? Are you kidding me? Come on. Uh, Niska is a great villain. It's a little unbelievable that Mal thinks he can just return the money and everything will be hunky dory. I would have liked to see them give Niska the haul, then turn around and steal it yes, from him the next day. That's what I day. wanted to see too. Oh, yeah. This episode marks a sharp rise in the use of Old West style language. In general, I don't care for this. If I never hear the word rootin' again, it'll be too soon. <laughs> Favorite quote Do you know the chain, what the chain of command is here? It's the chain I go and go get and beat you with to show you who's in command. Rating eight. Pete, television. Television. Uh, I'm gonna say six to television. Um, I don't know why. It's probably because I barely wrote down these ratings uh, right before we started recording. <laughs> okay. I forgot to do it last night. Uh, so I'm saying six. Uh, a couple of my lines that I really liked was uh, when Mal said, "Were there monkeys?" Terrible, frightening space monkeys to Kaylee about why the, the, room the engine room was a mess. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the whole uh, uh, Simon asking Kaylee, what are we doing? Crime. Oh, crime. Which <laughs> <laughs> was so, so good. And then, of course, I've already mentioned my personal favorite, the two-by-two two hands of blue. Uh, oof, loved it. I think you're up. <laughs> Screw you. Well, you barely introduced me. I'm barely going to introduce I said, you. I at least said your name. <laughs> I gestured my head in your direction. <laughs> Good thing that makes such great podcast material. You would write something up someplace where I'd know what to do next. Right, right. Okay. Who's talking right now? <laughs> Go, Joey. Uh, for a television, I gave this a three. I, I think it's too action, wow. too western. I don't care for this episode. The, the, I only even gave it a three because it does have some good one-liners. But the one-liners didn't mean anything to me until after I already cared about the characters. Wow. So on the, second, on the second viewing, it was better. But as an episode of television by itself, I, I think it does a pretty poor job. Uh, the the one-liner that, besides the, the Jane getting drugged scene, which always makes me laugh out loud now... Um, <laughs> The one line that I wanted to to point out was, uh, as Mal is being interrogated, Mal and Zoe are being interrogated by the sheriff. The sheriff was asking about, well, you know, this Joey Bloggs guy. You're, you're funny that your uncle didn't mention that he committed suicide eight months ago. And Mal's response to that is, so is his job open? <laughs> Would his job be available? Uh -huh. oh, that's a good one. I wrote, ah, he stole my line. Just for that, I'm going to give this episode a higher rating. <laughs> uh, I, I I give it a seven. Um, there is a lot of action. Yeah, it's it's good action. And 
you know what? I'm not going to put that down as a negative thing. <laughs> um, so, uh, and it, it's it's good action. I, w- I wouldn't call it mindless action. Um, good action. Um, and fun characters. I think I, th- I think the characters were having more fun this time. So, um, not as good as Serenity, but um, it, every time I see it, I'm, I always I always think, yeah, this 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 episode is kind of it's it's got this negative thing, you know, for being the wrong pilot. And every time I watched, I'm like, still had fun. <laughs> um, my other line that I wrote down was um, when uh, uh, <laughs> when Zoe um, yells, "Jane, little help here! Don't look at me! I didn't fight no war." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did enjoy that line, uh, Jane isms. Mm-hmm. That's good. Sci-fi. I'm gonna give this a six as well. I don't think there's a ton of sci-fi, but we did get to see a holographic window, yeah. Um, yeah. which was pretty cool, and uh, I guess uh, that was enough for me to give it a six. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I didn't write these down last <laughs> night when I watched the episode. Sorry. I, I'm only giving it a four for science fiction. Um, I, just, as you said, there's not a lot. Uh, I'm giving it credit for the fact that you know there are spaceships, and they're on a on a space station. I, I think that okay, yeah, that's that's sci-fi, but it doesn't really have a direct impact on the story, which is which I expect if I'm going to give it a good sci-fi rating. Should we be giving this a Western rating as well? It, you stole. I was oh, say I'm that. sorry, John. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's what I was going to say in my sci-fi rating. Yeah. No, but I'm no. so sorry. We can edit that out. We we never said no, it. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, no. I think honestly, that's a good idea. I think it might be fun. Let's do it. Yeah, we can, we can start doing Western ratings from now on. Um, because I, I was going to say I'd give it a higher Western rating than a sci-fi. Yes, rating. I would too. Yeah, uh, but you do have the the ben, Benton's disease or whatever it was that that was kind of an interesting thing. You know, it's a specific to terraformed worlds. Oh right, yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. And well, then that the, particular terraformed world, right? Because yeah. then they say there were like different diseases. He said, well, he said there are different diseases, but th- this was a well-known disease that apparently has popped up on several. I got the impression mm-hmm. anyway. It's popped up on several worlds because Zoe knew about it, right? Even though she didn't know anything mm-hmm. about this particular right. world. Okay, yeah. So apparently, there's there is one one well-known disease that appears to pop up on these. And they've worlds. known about it enough to have been able to come up with to develop. Uh, some sort of not vaccine, not antidote, but something to help them get along. Yeah, with you know, in that life. Uh, and, and also, that I like that they laid the groundwork for the Hands of Blue conspiracy, secret uh-huh. society kind of thing, which always tickles my science fiction bone. Uh, I ended up giving it a four. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll go five, sci-fi, um, but probably like seven or eight on a western. <laughs> <laughs> it did seem to have all of the cliches. Mm-hmm. That we think of for a western. What's your so western rating, Pete? I'm going to go with six since I went with six everything else. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I think I'm with John on this. Six gets a seven. You got train yeah. jobs. You got you know the sheriff, <laughs> the border <laughs> town. Good stuff. The the talk. I mean the western dialogue. Yeah. So moving on to our next episode, bushwhacked. Serenity happens on a ship that was set upon by Reavers and is captured by the Alliance. Da, da, da. Good episode. Good episode. Yeah, I like this one. Um, space basketball. <laughs> what else would we call this sport? Does it have a real name? It, do we it, think? Yes, it, it's called pyramid. 
um, you see them playing at Battlestar Galactica all the time. Really? Yeah. I don't know if the sports are exactly the same, but this one seemed very similar to the sport they play in Battlestar Galactica. In Battlestar Galactica, I thought they they're the goal thing was like down low it, it is threw. it is down low but it's, oh, okay, it's like okay. it's like okay. uh sideways basketball with tackling kind of <laughs> you know it's, it's pretty much you know what it was which but i believe was actually in the original battlestar galactica as well it's oh. a little bit little bit different wasn't but, that the original basketball too what throwing things sideways through a through a hoop well, oh, oh, you mean like the aztec version yeah the movie yeah. atlantis the animated one I remember they played a game like that. I feel like they did. Maybe I'm remembering a different movie. I was thinking it was the Incas, not the Aztecs, but because I remember in this in this movie <laughs> in this movie that I remember they played with an aardvark at one point, and he was helping them score points. Hmm. I don't remember there being an aardvark in the animated movie. The not, maybe not an aardvark, but because uh, an aardvark seems bigger, an armadillo. Because you can it roll it rolls up into somewhat ball like shape and you know kids would believe that you know you could do that and, that and not recognize that uh, oh this isn't the same thing that we had why is there all this hair on it or something right and I think um, possibly in either the Firefly version or the or the Battlestar Galactica version they actually play with Samus Aran uh, where she rolls into a ball <laughs> nice good Metroid reference there good. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, either way, they're getting some exercise. I'm, I'm glad to see that, and they're all having fun together. I, I really love uh, Inara's um, uh, pyramid outfit, where she gets ready to play. The, the, the <laughs> gown that she wears to the big game. <laughs> I assume she was down there just to watch sweaty men, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know. She's the cheerleader. Oh. Well, that was her cheerleader uniform. <laughs> what? <laughs> she could have done better, I feel like. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we come across bodily space debris. Yeah. And uh, there's this ship that is just adrift. Uh, come to find out... Okay, apparently they don't have scanners to be able to detect life forms. Is that accurate? Do we feel like we're going to say that? Uh, certainly, we certainly get that impression from this episode. Yeah. Because I don't know that they're consistent about that. Maybe. Because they don't detect anything. Uh, and I guess from Serenity, when the, that Alliance cruiser comes along at the very beginning of the episode, they don't mention that they scanned for life forms at all. So maybe they don't have that ability. They have some kind of scanner, though. At least the Alliance does, because when they came upon, in Serenity, the pilot, when the Alliance ship came upon them doing the illegal salvage operation, like, sir, we have a heat signature coming from this ship. And he says... All right, do a full scan. Whatever that means, I don't know to what. Probably to get the scanners. temperature of the heat. <laughs> yeah. Is it a dry heat or is it a humid heat? <laughs> I really want to know before I decide to go over there. <laughs> My skin has been a mess lately. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so uh, River calls it a ghost. Uh, I think she says that that term ghost. ghost. Yeah. Um, Okay, so they decide, all right, this is uh, juicy fruit. Why don't we just go ahead and pluck this? And uh, they decide that they're going to head on over. And uh, it's only after that that Jane, you know, 
kind of finally comes on board and you know he's got his good quote of yeah someone could be hurt we need to go and check on them um and so they head on over there and they link up with the other ship and they start looking around and you know they find out okay it's it's fairly intact we can all walk around like normal people which is good because we don't want to have a television show i don't think where everybody is dressed up in a spacesuit through the entire episode am i right i would agree what do you guys you. think i don't i don't think that'd go over particularly well mm, yeah I'd create a barrier between us and the characters yeah i i i don't think it would work which mm. good thing they didn't do it uh or at least not for very long and or at it's least especially good that they didn't need a space suit because apparently the doctor doesn't know how to put one on yeah he would he would have died if, <laughs> if if they weren't playing a joke on him i assume he got it on backwards that's 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 actually what i assumed as well yeah, yeah. they don't ever tell us but it's just wrong either way um river gets pretty emotional during this whole time and uh, one of her reasons is you know she says there's too much screaming which kind of creeps us all out because there's no actual screaming going on here she's just hearing something else <laughs> that nobody else is um it's probably just tires squealing for the <laughs> <laughs> right, so jane tricks simon into coming over in a uh, in his suit which was pretty funny and then River eventually kind of goes wandering around yeah, so throughout the, the ship we as well. We even had Simon tell us in the previous episode that in a lot of ways River is an infant uh-huh. right now. What possessed him to leave her alone? Well, Inara was supposed to come and watch her. So he said, I'm going to go ask Inara to come and watch her. Why didn't he take River with him and say, hey, Inara, can you keep an eye on her? Not he didn't want to take her to a whore's palace. Yeah. I could be setting this childlike mind up for yeah. something terrible down the road. That just seemed a really bad idea to leave her unattended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, well, next time you'll know to take her to the whore properly. Well, when, when I do that and my wife asks me why I took myself into the whore's apartment, I can blame it all on Pete. I'll just show her this episode. She'll understand. <laughs> and then we'll have to wander around outside of spaceship, honey. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, I don't remember if, I, if we talked about this in Serenity because they, they're doing scavenging in, in that episode as well, but what do we think about scavenging? Do we think that this is... Is, is it okay? Is it reasonable? Yeah. I mean, the ship is out there. Clearly nobody else is with it anymore. Fair game, right? Yep, yep. I agree. I can see why it wouldn't be fair game. Because somebody owned it. I remember us talking about that a some, little bit. Somebody owns it, and apparently there this is within the entire galaxy, but there are a lot of passers-by. <laughs> yeah, they're on the shipping routes. If, if, you find, if you find someone, you call the proper authorities. Like, okay, if, if uh, I witnessed a car crash on the freeway, someone died, I don't take their stuff. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm pretty sure there is a law that's the Princess Diana law mm-hmm. that a lot of, I, I think, states and countries have adopted, which is the, if you see something, you're supposed to render aid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a law. So you can't just start scavenging. Thinking, I gotta stop taking things from car crashes. <laughs> Cars that you see abandoned on the side of the, the, the highway, it's like, huh. Well, let's see what's in here. Oh, that radio looks nice. I think I'll just take that. I don't see anyone here telling me I can't take it. Yeah, see, I mean, like, in 
as far as like you know whether or not like salvaging stuff is okay i kind of think if i were to find a spanish galleon i kind of think you i have more of a, the gold back to spain i have a more i i think i think i have more of a right to take oh, the gold oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> you're right there Pete yeah. Pete's please, okay please continue I'm sorry you should probably break his other rib no <laughs> uh, but anyway I, I, I kind of think that's um, uh, okay and, but I wouldn't steal from like a crashed car I think the crashed car example is closer to what's actually happening here than finding I think a of it more like a, a sunken ship personally because I mean because uh, I mean, apparently it happened a couple days ago, uh, and 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 apparently there are shipping lines, and so the alliance would have been there eventually, kind of thing. Well, based on the fact that they show up, yeah, yeah, but that proves. doesn't mean they're going to stop and, and actually claim the property from the wreckage. Agreed, but it's still their right to it, I guess. Not so much their right to do it, but but their right to do whatever the law says like I mean, when you, someone if you by find reverse. a spanish galleon it's going to be along what was at some point an established sh naval shipping lane why is it that you just want to steal from the spanish <laughs> what, what's, what's they wrong with the you gold. <laughs> they took it from my people <laughs> no one's found it yet after hundreds of years all but, of the, uh, the the raping and pillaging that the 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 spaniards did to saint george utah or wyoming <laughs> Yes, you've got to make that right, Joey. But, but seriously, if if you maybe not the freeway, but some road somewhere, some uh, you know, some highway between kind of remote um, small towns, uh, there's a crash there. No one's discovered it, and it happened a week ago. Uh, I think that's what's going on in this episode. Not a Spanish galleon. I think what happened in this episode happened three days ago. Whereas that that car crash that happened a week ago, I mean, we wouldn't dream of stealing from that car, but that happened longer ago. Right. Interesting. I agree with John. I think John's right here. Thank you, Pete. And I think that uh, you should be ashamed of yourself for all of the hatred and racism you have towards the Spanish people. <laughs> They're a wonderful people. I, I agree. They're wonderful people. I now don't agree to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see here. I uh, answered that question. They find, eventually, the good stuff. Yeah. So they're going through their scavenging. Jane's hitting the kitchen, just throwing in all the food stuff, which I, I guess is pretty smart to do. Yeah. I mean, go and, and... Get all their protein packs. If you are going to scavenge, you know, go and hit the food I thought the he was collecting, galley. like, pots and pans and stuff. <laughs> the, way, the way it was clanging. When, At one point, it did yeah. look like he just threw a tray in there, didn't yeah. it? You're right. I, I didn't think about that. Uh, so eventually they do find the good stuff, but as with everything, just because, you know, there, there's always going to be some terrible thing that's about to happen to you when something good happens as well, mm -hmm. because they suddenly look up and, oh my gosh, the terrible, terrible things that have happened to these bodies. Yeah. Awful. Um, let's see here... Oh, it's at this point that the they start to radio around and say, okay, everybody off the ship right away. Right. And then Scary Guy shows up in the shadows and starts to attack Jane. 
Um, I can't remember if the girls we watched this with recently, did they scream at this? Because I, I feel like it's a scene yeah. where girls would scream. Yeah, I mean, Because the guy just, the all of a sudden, he's just like, you but. see Jane, light goes on, and there's that guy right behind Jane. Yeah, yeah. Feels like a scene that girls would scream at. I'm sure in the world, many girls have screamed at that part. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So they they wrestle him down and... Uh, um, Take him back to the infirmary. Yes. Get him back on the boat. And uh, Mal says, dope him. Yep. Put him out. I know what this is about. I know this is going to be Reavers. pretty terrible here. So they decide to head on back and, and take care of the bodies and and eventually get the, the cargo as well. Can I, can I just stop here to ask? Please, you? please. Do they only have the one set of cargo containers that belong to the Alliance as props? Is that ever mentioned in any of the commentary tracks? Oh, I don't know. I forgot to mention, it was in the commentary, I don't know if you heard, John, in the last episode, all of the Alliance people, they were... Uh, the costumes they were wearing were oh, yeah. from Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Yes, I, I recognize those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as far as this right here, I don't know. I, I don't see why they it's have the to come up with... the same package as we saw in the previous show, episode. So I, I bet just, it's a... It's a case. I mean, it's, it's a, a... I bet older. it's a Blue Sun case. <laughs> Everyone has Blue Sun cases. Anyway, I just wondered if maybe they'd mentioned on, the, on one of the commentary tracks, oh yeah, we really only made like the four boxes and those just keep showing up episode after episode. I don't see why you can. I mean, it's just a it's the standard way sure, yeah. that uh, you ship things off and I don't know, whatever. Anyway, the reason why they're saying, "Oh yeah, let's go bury the dead here" is because they want to distract them from the fact that apparently the ship has been booby trapped mm-hmm. by the very creepy tentacle-like things which managed to attach themselves to the hull of Serenity. Serenity. Because if there's one thing we know about the Reavers, it's that they're computer geniuses. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I computer or mechanical? Mechanical geniuses, <laughs> way better than I. Geniuses, I don't even know. Geniuses, yeah. Doesn't matter what kind of genius, they're all just genius. Yeah. Okay. Um. So or maybe it's just the one Reaver crew that's the one that's laying all the booby traps that we hear about. <laughs> they're just flying from place to place. They get a radio signal. Hey, we need a booby trap set up. Could you meet us here in yeah, this location? The, the Reaver specialist. Like the, the special squad. CSI Reavers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see that. <laughs> It'd be pretty disturbing, really. Um, what, what, what is the, the heinous crime that the Reavers think needs investigating by the CSI squad? Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, I, I skipped over something I wanted to talk about, which is part of the argument that um, Shepard Book uses. He's like, this is what separates us from you know animals, really, is, is the mm-hmm. fact that we care for our dead. And I've heard that a lot before, and I've never really properly given it a lot of thought. I, I, and I think you're right to do so. Okay, so you don't agree with Shepard. I, 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 I put no stock in that thought whatsoever. So you're a little more in the Klingon camp where it's like, this is just a shell. It doesn't matter yeah, anymore. Absolutely. We're, we're done with this. 
the the my, sanctity my, of the body is go, done and gone once the soul is gone. My, my my physical body and I are at war with each other, and one day one of us will win, and the other <laughs> one will depart. And by <laughs> by heavens, you're gonna you know your soul is gonna force that body to use up every possible ounce of goodness <laughs> in right. it, so no one else can ever use it. Um, okay, John, do you, you care about the? I I, I wouldn't say. I think, um, like, how we treat our dead is a little specific for what, you know, separates us uh, from animals. I think, uh, like, on a broader term, it's, like, uh, the the gesture that comes with, you know, um, the respect that you may have for someone, you know, after they die. That That's a broader scope of, of just acknowledging, you know... Uh, you know how how we treat them in death is a gesture for how they lived in life. Interesting. Kind of thing. Now, okay. now I, I would say that I thought you were going to go somewhere different with that. Out of respect for the people who cared about that, the the person who inhabited that body, I'm I'm not saying I think we should be running around defiling corpses. <laughs> well, that's what you I know. meant when I was. Saying. <laughs> I, 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 but I, but not because I have respect for the shell. But I have respect for the people who cared about the person who inhabited it. Because it still represents to, to them, there's an emotional tie there. So it's not, I get it's not the respect for the person who died, but it's the respect for the, the, the society li- the, kind the of living, thing. The, yeah. the, the living, you know, people who cared about the person who's dead. If it's important to them... That's right. That's exactly then, then, right. You're, yeah. then, then I'm okay with honoring mm-hmm. that and, and treating that body with respect. But you, in this case, wouldn't be like Shepherd Book and say, "Yes, we need to go and cut these bodies down because there are no one who is living right. who seems to care about these." It's like, I don't know, what do I care? Yep, I, that would be okay. But I mean, lo- logically, um, like some somebody dies wherever they are, they're not in that body anymore. But my act of like kneeling over them and looking at them—that's my personal in like uh, my acknowledgement of them. Um, and I know that, you know, they're not living and it's not, you know, it's not important, but, you know, for me to do anything else in that moment would defeat my acknowledgement of them. Okay. Okay. Pete, what about you? Um, I don't know. I, 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 like I said, I had never truly given it a great deal of thought. I I still haven't. (laughs) I mean, I watched the episode last night. I mean, it comes up in Battlestar Galactica at one particular point, um, and I remember thinking, well, that's kind of a weird thing. And I, I took an anthropology class in, in college, and I just, I don't know that I've ever really gotten on board with it. Clearly, I think the body is sacred. I, I think it was a creation of God. I, I, I'm really, the more I think about it, I don't know why we have these mass uh, graveyards where we bury our dead. I say burn them. Yeah. It seems like the most... smart way to go about handling our dead because then we don't have these rotted remains underground um no curses happen (laughs) yes of course we don't have any uh you know young prom dates going out uh, in the middle of night on friday the 13th you know to have some scary thing happen to them um it's that sounds I'm fine with that happening. That's good times. Well, we are also not using up all of this land for the purpose of holding dead bodies. Mm -hmm. You know, let's just find some place and carry them off into the ocean as far as I'm concerned. I I, I guess I'm... I prefer launch them into the sun. 
Because <laughs> yeah, that's, that's economical. <laughs> it fulfills the cremation. Or, or did, you, did you just mean by launching them into the sun, like taking fistfuls of it and saying, here you go, into the sun with you. <laughs> and you guys, uh, <laughs> that bit hurt a lot. <laughs> and you were the one who did it. I know. <laughs> now, uh, apparently James Doohan, Scotty from Star Trek, uh, his remains were recently launched into space. Oh, good for him. Yeah, so that's cool. Yeah, yeah I think it's fair that he should get that right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, I guess we've did, covered... Did dead bodies bother you, Pete? No. Like, I... you, you're afraid of them, or creeped out by them, or disgusted I've, by them? I've dressed a dead body. Oh. <laughs> it's a little weird, uh, because I knew the guy. It wasn't just some random dead guy. So it, <laughs> you're not just going down to the morgue volunteering to dress the dead body. Hey, uh, you need any help with that? Uh, I'm not doing anything right now. Uh, I don't know. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, it was a guy that I had known um, in my church. He was old, so it wasn't like it was you know some terrible shame. It was sort of like, yeah, all right, it was time yeah. for the old guy to to kick it. Um, it was weird. Just the feeling of the cold body. When 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 the life and the and the heat are gone from the flesh, it's very it's a very bizarre texture and <laughs> I'm not I, I, I don't know that I even I don't even notice it being any some weird type of texture. Okay. What but to be fair, I, I wasn't, you know, putting my hands all over the body just to get that tactile sense. Of what it's really like to be the, dead. It, it's it's the ha- hands more than anything that that the, you know the first time I interacted with a dead body and and I grabbed it by the hand and it was just <laughs> our hands. Sorry, <laughs> you know, I just imagine you like blood everywhere and you're you're grabbing the hands to drag it into the grave. <laughs> like uh, no one's gonna find this dead body. Boy, these hands. Ah, I wonder if I've done the right thing here. <laughs> And, you know, and that that caused you to change your life. It, it, that, I, I think that is the the source of my my answer to your earlier question that it's just a shell. Because in in touching that that guy's hand, it no longer felt like a person. It felt like rubber or like a weird spongy plastic. It, it did not feel like human flesh anymore. It no longer represented a person to me. And, and I think that's why I can say what I do. You know, I. I, I don't I don't want people to treat my body when I'm gone as though you know that's where I was that's where I am it, it, you know I'm not there anymore forget about that I'm somewhere else forget about the shell how, how would you prefer people to think on you once you're dead what should they face a certain direction should they do a certain gesture well, if, if, if all goes according to plan oh good <laughs> oh good there, there will be the statue that you should all oh, kneel and face statue. <laughs> Why not? Why not? The followers of Joey <laughs> make a pilgrimage every year to, um, well, let's see, uh, where's some obscure place in Wyoming where we can dump your body? Devil's Tower. Devil's Tower. Man, I'm going to graffiti so much of that statue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really the proper way that you should show respect to him is through the use of graffiti, nice. so you'd be right in doing that. Okay. Uh, let's see here. So they managed to fix it. River freaks out. Um, uh, 
let's see, River freaks out when the crazy wakes up. Yeah. So River is up in Inara's shop. Oh, right, 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 right. And the crazy guy, like, he's... Comes to, yeah. Yeah, starts cutting on himself. And, and River has some kind of psychic reaction to that, apparently. Yes. Yeah, she's tied to it somehow. Yeah. Interesting. And, dun-dun-dun, along the shipping lanes... The Alliance shows up. Yeah. And they uh, basically say, okay, uh, we're coming to board you. And they they don't want to hide anything except for the two convicts, which they put on the hull of the ship. Awesome. Awesome I, idea. I loved River's reaction yes, to that. Yes, me too. She's just looking out and says, it's so it's beautiful like, out here. Wow. And Simon turns and looks to see what she's seeing at, and he's like, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing out there but nothing. I I would probably become a reaver if I was in uh. Simon's spot. <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, I've never been in space. I don't know what it's like, but I kind of imagined it. it it's kind of like um, uh, in um, there there are places. And I think I mentioned this before. Um, the Sky Tower in New Zealand, and there are many places like this. Um, it's the tallest building in New Zealand, and uh, you know it has the like plateau area. And there's a place where the the floor is glass, Ugh. and it's like eight feet of glass. There's no way you're going to fall through it, but if you want to, you can just walk across nothing. And, you know, obviously you're not going to die. You're not going to fall through, but but just walking over that thing is, that would be awesome. is very harrowing. It's it's I think it's freaky, you know. Other did people, you do they, it? I did it. I did it. Like I was like shaking and walking over slowly and everything. You did it slow. I would have thought maybe you'd do it fast just to get it over with. <laughs> I'd be afraid I'd break all eight <laughs> layers of glass or whatever. So, uh, but, I could just imagine you tiptoeing over this like, yeah. don't anybody sneeze. <laughs> Everyone shut up, shut up, shut up. Don't drop yeah. your keys. Yeah, so I, I kind of, I felt for Simon in that because it's pretty much... I imagine looking into space would be like looking into an infinite hole that you could just fall into, uh, and and that's scary. Um, that, that attracts me so much. That uh, concept. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Can we go back just a little bit? Yes, yes. Because the most the the one really really annoying thing I had with this episode was the uh, uh, okay the alliance are here, um, and then we're in not Simon explain to Simon. Yeah, we're not going to explain anything to Simon. Like in that, that just drives me crazy. Like, no, 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 we're gonna give ourselves up and sign. And in they're having this big long conversation back and forth. No, we can't do that. No, we're giving ourselves up. And then the guy's like, no, trust him. Never one line is like where where Mal just says, "I'm not gonna give you up. I have a plan. Yeah. they're not gonna find you." That's it, all it, he has my to only say. All caps note here. Yeah, take two seconds and tell him. Oh yeah, you're going okay. to hide them. I'm, I'm I'm glad someone else felt that way because it's so aggravating. We we can't tell. We need to show everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, good. Good point. Good. Good point. I really liked as they're uh, as they're hauling all of the Serenity crew over to the Alliance ship, and the commander of the Alliance ship makes a disparaging comment about Serenity. That Kaylee gets defensive. She, she's like mother bear, right? Yeah. yeah. Hey, don't you talk about my ship that way? And then when they do get her, when they get her over on the ship, she starts picking apart all the mechanical flaws in the Alliance ship. <laughs> oh, the, the super stellar writing. Yeah. As we get the the interrogation yeah, scene, interrogation. It just genius. It captured these characters in a fantastic way. As each one of them 
you know, with Jane who completely has nothing to say yep. um, to, you know, some of the stoicism of, uh, of Zoe and, uh, and Mal to Chatty Wash. You know, mm. I, I just, I think it's Especially brilliant, the legs. brilliant and The writing. part where her legs meet her back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. And of, course, and of course, that's right after Zoe's talking about, I'm not giving you any details about my marriage. It's yeah. none of your business. We're very private people. Cut to wash. Just kind of, just <laughs> doing guy down. talk. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's see here. Um, hiding on the hold of the ship... Then they oh, their Mal comes to him and says, "You've got to you know th- this is a terrible thing that's going on here. This guy you don't understand. He's a reaver, and the captain doesn't really believe him because the captain is the one who informs him that they didn't find him. That they thought that like Mal did something to him. Yeah, he's like, how you know you cut on him like that? And he's like, uh, that dude's a reaver. You need to get away." And he's like, now send some people up to the to the infirmary. It's like, don't do it. They're all dead. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it. And we see the guy. He pulls out that knife or that, that blade that I'm mm-hmm. assuming that surgeons implement and just starts hacking yeah. through. So this everything. this always reminds me of in Watchmen, the Tales of the Black Freighter. Mm. Okay. Yeah. You have kind of kind of a similar storyline going on here where. What this guy saw the Reavers do to people has turned him into one of the Reavers. He, he now has become that evil that scarred him so horribly. Yeah, I don't remember that from the Watchmen, so... That was the comic within the comic. It was the pirate comic that the kid would sit on the ground and read every day. Oh, I see. Okay, okay. Yeah, I do remember that part of it. I do. Okay, uh, so he's a reaver, and the captain decides, okay, I'm going to personally go over to this minuscule ship, which really, Firefly is very, very small in yeah. comparison to this massive floating city. Mm. Why is it that the captain is going on board here? He's got tons of subordinates. He could flood... Literally, it's his first command. Every single cavity of the Firefly with all of his men, and still have plenty of men left on yeah. his ship. It's his first command, and he made a poor decision. Yeah, uh, I don't think I would trust Mal in that situation. The you know brigand, the captain uh, <laughs> of that other ship that uh, you know is clearly they're bad people. They've been stealing stuff. Um, anyway, they do well. I'm sure he felt that he could watch over Mal's better than someone else. You're right. There's probably that sense of mm. arrogance that, that comes mm. from him because he's the captain of this big, massive alliance ship. You know, he knows better kind of thing. You're right. Um, all right, what did you guys think when we finally see in a sort of semi-not-fuzzy shot of the Reaver, what did you think of his makeup? Were you impressed by no. it? I it was too fuzzy. I couldn't really. Yeah, and I think they went fuzzy on purpose because, as far as I could tell, they put safety pins in his face. Yeah, and and they cut some red, big red circles. That's yeah, some, I, yeah. Some big red circles. I, I, I don't know. I, I I wonder if they either one didn't have the budget or two were trying to go for let's not show how truly distasteful and creepy and terrible the Reavers are 
so that we don't set a bar too high, maybe, or something. I, I don't know. I don't have okay. a clue. I just know that it, it bothered me a little bit. And so the Alliance lets the Firefly uh, ship go, and then they blast, destroying the evidence um, of that uh, other yeah. ship. Anybody want to talk about anything? Nothing. Okay, yeah. Good. Um, okay, just a, just a quick question. And this, I don't know, This maybe we shouldn't talk about it now, but my question is, is this guy a reaver? Could he be defined as a reaver? Or is he That's suffering some really, really bad post-traumatic... That's a really, really you know, good can, question. Can you, ask, can you ask that question again after we've covered the movie? Yeah, I'm going to have to remember, because like, all the... like My other question that I'll have to ask again is, did... Um, Joss Whedon, and more specifically, I guess, um, Tim Miniar, in this case, um, did they know what the nature of the Reavers were? I don't, I don't think, I don't think Joss had, if he, I bet they hadn't. If yeah. Joss knew, I don't think he'd told anyone else. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think they probably had the story tied together well enough to understand what would eventually come out, like, who the Reavers are, where they came from kind of thing. But I don't think that they had truly fleshed it out well enough to to be able to say exactly how one could become a reaver. Because, uh, well, with, with, I don't I don't want right, to get into right. the movie with, too with much. the information we have uh -huh. so far in universe. I think we can say this guy is a reaver. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Third vague question: <laughs> If they did know where reavers came from, is it possible that the reavers could have administered this person and perhaps the entire crew with what? I think we have to cut that. Uh, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I think we have to cut yeah, that. I don't know. That's, we'll see. I get crap all the time for spoiling. <laughs> Who hasn't seen Firefly? <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Cut that. His work someone, mates. <laughs> someone, someone remind me. Uh, someone remind me to cut call back to this episode in Serenity. Yeah, we, if, if I'm there. At some point, we should probably start a running list of questions that need to be answered, but. I don't know. We might remember him when we actually get into the movie. And let me let me let me start that list right now. Yeah, good. Because this one, your your questions are the first ones on there. <laughs> we hereby delegate that responsibility from each podcast to you. <laughs> All right. Since the intern's gone for the summer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We should mention the intern is gone. Yeah. He won't be joining us for anything, though. He should be listening. He better be listening. I wouldn't put too much expectation on that. Uh, but we miss him nonetheless. I Aaron's a good guy, and I, I wish he could be around. You know, I do miss him. Uh, I'm going hey, to have to pay somebody to mow my lawn now. Oh. <laughs> You've got Beth. She seems <laughs> like she's hardy enough at this point. So wait, Aaron died? Aaron moved home for the summer. Wow. Well, yeah, I guess that could be a form of death for Aaron yeah. with what he's going to have to do. Manual labor. <laughs> he's going to wish he were dead. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, any other uh, awkward questions that we can't really talk about? No. Okay. I'm going to go to uh, listener emails. Uh, Brainy Smurf says, uh, I think Tim Minier bit off more than he could chew with the writing and the directing here. I just don't buy the transference of reaverness through physically watching them go about their business. Maybe missed something. I liked the interviews that the Alliance dude conducted. 
a nice narrative device to employ. But again, things this episode is unbalanced somehow, and the ending is lackluster to say the least. I don't know that I'd agree with that. Uh, however, here is a great moment for our Chinese of the week. They realize when they realize that reavers are afoot. Wash utters, "Zhao Gao." Oh, he put a pronunciation for me, and I got it right. Thank you, Brandy Smurf. Thank you. <laughs> it's the most common expression of vehement disapproval in Mandarin Chinese, meaning something to the effect of "Oh crap," or "That's quite a bummer, man." The literal translation of Zhao Gao is rotten cake. <laughs> rotten cake. That is my new phrase. Uh, rotten cake? Rotten cake. Rotten cake? <laughs> and rotten cake is quite a bummer in any language. <laughs> TV5, Sci-Fi 7, see yin's next week. Thanks, Brainy. Uh, again, I would say... Go check out Watchmen if you haven't read it before, Brainy, and, and pay attention to the comic within a comic, the Tales of the Black Freighter. Um, I think it might, I think it might close that gap for you a little bit, maybe, maybe. And if you can't find it under that name, try the Watchmen. <laughs> Don't call it the Watchmen. <laughs> uh, Moneybags says, "Great introduction to the Reavers. Again, better than the mention they get in Serenity." The interview scene was hilarious, especially Wash. Not as good as a train, train job, but good nonetheless. Favorite quote. Oh my gosh, can it be? We're all doomed. Who's flying this thing? Deadpan. All right, that would be me. Back to work. Work before we play, Wash. <laughs> uh, also, all the screens with Zoe and Wash being interviewed by the Alliance but I won't make you read through all that. Which is a shame. I mean, they're hilarious. Yeah. We, we would be more than happy to have done that. Rating, 7. Thank you, Moneybags. Good email. Good email. Uh, Joey. Television. Uh, you know, I gave it a 5. It probably would get better than that, except for I just don't like the horror genre. There's too much of a sense of, of the horror movie to this, and I don't care for that genre. So, Okay. John? John? I like this one more than the last one. Um, but you do like horror, right? I like horror a lot, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna give it an 8. I, I respectfully disagree with... Uh, was, it, was it Brain Smurf? Um, he was knocking on Tim Minier. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, no, I was gonna, yeah. Yeah, Brain Smurf. I was going to mention... Uh, yeah, this, uh, this episode was, was one of Tim's episodes. You know, the other creative force be- behind um, Joss Whedon. And I, I kind of wonder... You know, um, watching this episode, we should give this guy more credit for, like, the stuff, the good stuff that happens in Firefly, because I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Um, and I also think, um, if I were to watch this the wrong way, like, Joey, you, you watched it, I think it, it would have been a better introduction of the Reavers, like, if I had no idea of the existence at all, um, that the way it was supplied to us, you know, without having any reference at all, was actually really, really good. Um, so I'm going eight. Okay. I actually didn't get this far in my original watching. You got one episode in? I got one episode in and said, boy, that was terrible. I don't think I'm going <laughs> to watch anymore. Dang. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this a TV6. I think 
it's actually pretty good. I might have given this a seven, but there is a lot of, uh, I want to say, not horror. I mean, there's plenty of suspense, and that's good, but it goes creepy dark with all of the blood. And so I think that might be a little off-putting. Um, so, but the interrogation scenes uh, are, are hilarious. Um, yeah. the, the, the lines that these guys have in there um, washes... Have you ever been with a warrior woman? <laughs> Golly, warrior woman. so awesome. Um, all of the, the comments that these guys have are, are just amazing in that interrogation scene. Uh, some of my other favorite quotes. Um, let's see here. Um, we've got lots and lots of mercy as he punches that guy when they find him. Uh, and, of course, Jane's looked bigger when you I couldn't see him. him. Uh, and uh, let's see here uh, about the Reavers open up to see what's inside Uh, as that that guy was was talking I I like that line Um, and yep that's it those are all my favorite lines Uh, one you left out that's one of my favorite lines is when he asks Kaylee can you defuse this booby booby trap oh right well, if I mess up, it's not like you'll be able to yell at me. <laughs> yes. Yep. Um, for for science fiction, I give this one an eight. I think that the fact that they're in outer space played into this episode on a lot of different angles. The 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 sense that they're trapped here with this Reaver guy, the you know the confinement, the tight corners, the darkness. I, I think that the the fact that it is in space and on spaceships played into very much into the plot of this episode uh i agree everything with everything you just said um i think i'll go further and say you know last time uh i mentioned about how there are no aliens in the firefly universe but we come pretty close to exploring alien themes with Reavers. I think it's yeah. it's done just as well as any alien. Um, I forgot to read my lines. Yeah, um, let's do it now. Uh, let's see. Um, just two Mal lines really quick. May have been on the losing side, not convinced it was the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me of everything I mentioned last week. Yeah. And also, oh yeah, they couldn't let us profit. That wouldn't be civilized. <laughs> Dude, true. Uh, so you gave it an 8 as well, right, John? Yep, and uh, Western I give it a 5. <laughs> wow. It's high, sir. It's high. Hi. Uh, I give this an 8 for science fiction as well. I think there are some wonderful science fiction themes, and we do get a very, very good introduction, introduction to what, uh, John, as you pointed out, is probably the closest thing that we're ever going to get to an alien in this universe. Um, and I, I enjoy the fact that we get to see a little bit of the Alliance stuff. Yeah. Um, the, the very clinical and clean type of organized... Antiseptic. Antiseptic Alliance that we have in there. So that, that was a good another area of this universe that we've explored, and I, I thought that was good. Western rating? Oh, jeez. Um, I have two. <laughs> I, I guess we saw thing. Mal, you know, holding a sidearm in a holster, <laughs> and... He's got those pants that sure do look like they belong in a western. You know? I'm going to give it a one. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Homestarmy Presents Trek West 5. We hope that you've learned something, had some laughs, and we always invite your comments to our email, 
at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. Or you can tweet us at hashtag trekwest5, or call and leave us a voicemail at 801-788-4913. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And thanks for listening. Good to see you.